Welcome to my good bad brain I'm a normal person so I'm insane I've got depression and ADHD But I'm doing better since I medicated me I'm still not always sure whether I exist Or what being a person even really is But I figured out a long time ago that Hello, friends. Memorial Day. What a day. What a day. It's supposed to be a day off, but what's a day off? You know what I mean? This day and age. Uh, I guess some people out there, probably a lot of people still have normal nine to five lives. Uh, but I think a lot of people, at least where I live, a lot of freelancing and stuff like that. I don't know if there's ever days off. You just kind of find them randomly uh, and then try to manage your schedule as well as you can without structure. I'm trying to build some of that into my life. That might be the practical advice that I would I would bring up for this week. Uh, an MGBB, my good bad brain. Welcome. P.S. If you don't know what you're doing here, it's a podcast about mental health and being a person. Check us out on patreon.com slash my good bad brain. Uh, we're almost to our first milestone there and then I'll make some merch if that happens. Uh, trying to get to a thousand bucks and that is incredible. You guys have no idea. Uh, how helpful that is to making this thing happen and keeping projects going in my life. So thank you so much for doing that. But in that uh, same token, we're talking about practical advice for the week. What I what I have been using or trying to do. Uh, I've been having a lot of hard internal dialogues with myself uh, over the last, I'd say six months, maybe, uh, maybe less even. No, nah, six months, six seven months. Basically, since uh, I started doing uh, the psychiatric medication, since, uh, honestly, Burning Man, it sounds really funny, I've become this horrible stereotyping since Burning Man, but that isolation in the desert for a while, uh, and just kind of the space of that, since then a lot's been changing. I'm facing a lot of things that I've avoided a long time, Uh, a lot of things that had to do with, I think, like, creating a sense of validation for my experiences, and what was hard, what was going on, what seemed inexplicable or unjust or, uh, you know, in the universe, like things that were out of my control and being able to come to terms with really acknowledging that and accepting that and honoring that was necessary for me to now be where I'm at in my life, where I feel like I'm doing sincere, internally motivated reflection and uh, judgment about of myself, uh, regrets I have regarding behaviors in the past or even currently. And realizing, man, I've been really good at doing sprints of change in my life. Saying for this month, this week, whatever, I'm going to be a psycho. I'm going to do this project. Uh, I'm going to like really stick to uh, an eating thing or an exercise thing or a product project uh, a completion schedule. And then just going away. I think it's a million times harder in, in many ways, in a sort of insidious way, to create small rhythmic shifts uh, consistent practices of wellness, uh, I guess we could call them. And I think I've been adding them a little tiny bit at a time. And then when I fall back on them away from them, maybe, or I don't know, it sort of seems like the more honest you get with yourself, sometimes the harder it gets, which I suppose any practice is like that. Yoga is like that. I started doing hot yoga the last couple of days. I think I need to just reset my body and my feelings in it and hot yoga works for me. I don't, I wouldn't recommend it for a lot of people, especially beginner, uh, movement culture stuff. There's a lot of reasons I won't get into, 
but I think the heat is good and the yoga is good for me and the mental toughness, honestly, is what I'm trying to cultivate because the mental toughness to be disciplined, to say I'm tired, uh, but I want this thing. I, I have this dream, whatever that may be for you to go. I am tired. I spent a lot of time honoring that I'm tired and I spent a lot of time honoring my experience. And I do think you have to go through that period, that truth period with yourself and that kindness and gentleness period with yourself to to forgive yourself for perceived failures because we're fed shame since such a young age. But if you can make your way through that, you've honored and validated where you're at, then being able to come without shame, but being able to have regret and address those and say, well, here's ways I'd like my life to be different than it is. And then how am I going to do that? Well, it's going to mean that when I'm, even though I'm so tired, emotionally, physically, whatever, it's still going to require making those sacrifices of whatever that is, the, the screwing around time or eating things that don't make me feel good or not sleeping correctly or whatever, that I've got to just drag myself up and out and, and go. Joe Stumpf, who's Tracy Stumpf's dad, Tracy's our guest today. He said something in his one of his one of his podcast uh, or Instagram posts. He's he's also a very motivational guy. Um, he said, "When you wake up in the morning, five, four, three, two, one, feet on the floor." <laughs> I do not do this. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Not sitting at my phone over. But he was five, four, three, two, one, feet on the floor. And I've been thinking about that since I saw him say it. Just being able to literally get my mind in a place where I can do things I don't feel like doing. And I think so much of our culture forces us to do that with no consideration of our experiences that we, that we a lot of us in our wellness practices avoid it and just try to validate anything we do. And I think that's good. I think it's good to go through a period of validating things and saying, hey, don't do things because other people tell you to, especially don't do other things because other people tell you you're a bad person if you don't. But if you want something intrinsically, internally, you have a goal that you really want to achieve, you have to realize that does require hard choices and hard work and discipline and may, not in a shamey way, cultivate a voice to yourself that's not about shame, but is about possibility and overcoming hardship that says, five, four, three, two, one, feet on the floor. So I'm trying to do this yoga thing because I find hot yoga to be the hardest thing mentally to do, just to stay in the room, to stay in the heat, to try to force my body to relax, which even in saying that sentence, forced to relax is so hard. But I feel that by starting this little practice of discipline, man, I got big ambitions, you know? There's a lot of art I still want to make. This podcast I always wanted to make and I'm sticking with this, you know what I mean? I want to be further along in my career in certain ways, uh, because that's just me. Those are dreams. Those are things I want to do. And I bet you've got those too. I think we all do. And, uh, you know, going through a period of wellness of saying, okay, I'm okay. I'm okay with where I'm at. No big deal. Don't have to feel bad about what I'm doing in, in a shamey way, in this toxic, useless way, this fake martyrdom for nobody. But saying, okay, tough talks now. With myself, I love you. We've established that I love you. So I'm coming from a place of love. Let's make changes. And changes are choices. You know what I mean? So that's like some extreme cornball stuff to kick off with in my practical advice, which is that. Just pick like one thing, maybe two things that are hard for you discipline-wise and do them. Mine's getting up early and mine is doing hot yoga. I'm starting there. That's what I'm going to be doing 
for a little while now, getting up early, doing hot yoga. And I'm, I have a, a strong feeling that when you do this, when you establish one little habit that's tough, but you start doing it, you start realizing, oh, there's a lot of things I can do that I might not feel like doing organically or that I put off, but just saying I'm going to do them and doing them, you realize, oh, I'm, I'm glad. Yoga, high yoga sucks, man. It's so uncomfortable being there, whatever, the whole time. And I've never regretted doing it. As soon as you're done, you're like, glad I did that. I'm stronger for that. I'm better for that. You know? That kind of is the theme, I feel, of this conversation with Tracy. I love Tracy Stump. We met each other. Uh, we refer a bit. Uh, we all call it, We call each other babe all the time. We go, babe, babe, <laughs> whenever we host things. And uh, much to the amusement of confusing our audience, are they friends? Are they lovers? Who are they? <laughs> Just friends, always have been. But we uh, hosted a show called Totally Clever for um, Clever TV, which some of you guys may watch years ago. It turned into a man on the street show uh, where we kind of stop people and talk about popular song lyrics and things like pop culture stuff. It was totally random in my life. I was like, I've never been a big pop culture person, but I fell into this job and that job let me know Tracy Stump, who is wonderful she's so funny she's a stand-up comedian and also um uh host in general she's a lot of hosting different shows for mtv and all kinds of stuff and uh she's just like so great we have a very similar bond we talk about in this podcast uh about being like you know the best way i can describe it the way i've always said it sort of bluntly was we were just fat kids you know and i don't think there's anything wrong with being anybody's shape we talk about that in this a little bit too but for me and tracy it became such a you know when you're 12 13 9 whatever you're starting to have hormones you're starting to learn how to uh, adjust to society that is when body shame is at its peak it's changing it's uncomfortable it's weird and uh you know I've come a long way with my relationship with my body. I, it's an existential issue. It's an identity issue. But uh, Tracy and I, we joke about this thing that we had, this this core pain of self-hatred from when we were kids and felt ugly. And, uh, you know, I don't want anybody to think as we talk about it bluntly, like that we think any of those fears or feelings about ourselves are legitimate. They're not. I look at pictures of myself when I was a kid and I'm like, damn, you're so beautiful. I don't know why you hate yourself so much. And I talk about this in the podcast, but that core experience of weirdness and wanting to be a performer, having something in you that wanted to express itself. You don't know what it was, but mixed up in such incredible, like shame, feelings of self-hatred. And then how we've gotten from there to here. I don't know. I think we have something in common. Uh, you know, there's a lot about us that's different, but that thing has always like bonded us that our humor comes from a similar place of um, just dealing with the world, dealing with pain and dealing with uh, the difficulties of that reality that we live in. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I always love tra- talking to Tracy. I like how like no bullshit she is. I like how sassy and funny she is. And uh, we have a pretty good conversation about that stuff. Uh, and, I, and I would say hypocrite spo is like a word that I invented for this, but comes up a lot. And I, uh, to me, that's like hypocritical, inspirational stuff, like whether they're motivational, speaky, self-care, self-help kind of things. Um, you know, I touch on it sometimes in, uh, uh, you know, this podcast regularly with like the whole what's something cheesy you find inspiring question. Uh, 
But like, we both have this thing where like we can't turn off the thing that makes fun of everything we see. Like we have this response to the universe. Everything is worth making fun of to some degree. I always thought that was a funny idea too, that people, people get so mad. They're like, you making fun of me? It's like, listen to the actual phrase. Like you're taking something and making it fun, making a fun thing of it. And I, and I know, I know making fun can be abusive or whatever. And I, I get it. It can be mean. But in general, the hilarity of uptight, like angry, serious people getting mad because you're making fun is just so hilarious. It's so beautiful. It's in the very phrase. Oh, excuse me for taking reality and making it fun. What a, what a transgression. How rude. But we like to make fun of a lot of this stuff that we then also actually legitimately use. And I think that's been a theme of a lot of the things that I work and satire around or whatever, uh, satirize. You know, the moon juice video I did is like that. Like when I get sick, I still just go get juices and ginger shots and stuff like that. I've done yoga a lot throughout my life. Um, I think my mom said about that video, she saw it and she's like, as soon as you're kind of like putting your foot over your head, you realize, oh, this is an inside job. And that's so true. I mean, I have a whole thought about that, which is for another time. Like making fun of stuff always comes from a place of love for it. Like you can't not, you can't love them for being human. You can't criticize something if you don't like truly well. If you don't love it on some level, if you don't identify with the humanity in it, that's for another day. Uh, Tracy and I both kind of have this thing, this hypocrite spo thing. We love to make fun of stuff that we also genuinely then use. So that kind of became the theme here. And we bounce back and forth just talking about our thoughts about uh, a lot of things. I will say this as a last little disclaimer. I love to disclaim. God, do I love to disclaim. Um... Tracy's one of the, the earlier conversations I recorded. I'm setting up some new conversations. And, uh, you know, by the end of my first round of conversations, I was getting a little tighter. And I think some of these earlier ones that you're going to hear this week, probably next week, um, like with Tracy, they're a little bit more just we're talking. It's a little less focused on mental health specifically, but it is about how we get through philosophies and strategies we use to exist. And uh, I still think it's valuable and fun and interesting. And uh, man, I think Tracy's just just the best. So uh, yeah, without further ado, oh, one more further ado. In that, I'm going to be doing conversations coming up. I think I'm going to do some conversations with some listeners potentially. Um, So let me know if that's something that you would be interested in hearing because I, uh, some of y'all have contacted me with like amazing stories or feedback um, that I think is creating some real connections and maybe helpful conversations uh, just in the microcosm. And this whole project's a little bit microcosm. So it might be nice to do that, to create some, uh, not me just seeking out people that I know who might be relevant to listen to, but also just talking about each other uh, to each other, you know? Everybody's an authority in their own experience, right? Uh, and I think a lot of the experiences y'all have are just so invaluable. All right. Uh, thanks, y'all. Um, that is the end of the adus. One more time, patreon.com slash mygoodbadbrain. I am going to start drawing <laughs> rewards this week. I think I'm going to have to adjust rewards a little bit because I am getting realistic about uh, the work that this podcast takes in addition to trying to make the rest of my life work. Um, but I am very much looking forward to getting some of those portraits out the door because, um, damn, I love you guys. You guys are making this thing happen and it's amazing. Uh, all right, that's it. Let's get into this wonderful conversation. Hypocrite Spo, being a person, wellness, uh, blah, blah, all that stuff with Tracy Stump.
thought when I was having some difficulty getting into the um, thing in rehearsals. Oh uh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, at like twelve. Well, and my my uh, the director was talking about it, and I guess I ended up saying something like, "I don't like uh, relate that much to this character." And he's like, "What do you mean? You don't?" And I was like, "I mean, I just don't think I'm like bullied like this. I haven't like bullied like this character." They say is, and he goes like, "You've never been bullied like no one calls you." And I and I was just like, "Well, I mean like." Yeah, kids, like, call me, like, the F word and, you know, stuff and, like, that. And I remember him just, like, looking at me with these, like, eyes and this look and being like, that's pretty bad. That's Aww. pretty, that's pretty bad. Yeah. And I, like, started, like, crying immediately because it yeah. was, like, this moment of, like, oh, yeah, that's mean to do to people, you know? <laughs> and, and it was just this weird, like, whatever I had done to numb out. I mean, this is, came home to roost years and years, decades later about, like, this this numbing boundary thing of, like, not having boundaries. But... It was weird to have that and be like, oh, I just numbed out things that hurt. Yeah. And then years later when you can when you have the capacity to tune in and go like, oh man, that fucking sucks that people do that. Anyway, it is weird to watch things from the 90s and realize like jokes flew and words fly. That oh you can't. yeah. And they're just like, meh, whatever. It's hard. It's hard to keep up well, with Well, now it it's also everybody is so sensitive. It's really hard to be politically correct and just correct and just, it's just hard to talk without... Yeah biting your tongue you know Dude, or having to apologize it. i like had a moment yesterday where i was like do you know esther ku no esther ku is a comedian who's like a friend of mine and she's very funny and she tweeted some stuff about i don't remember what they were but they were like racially charged tweets about chinese people and my she's chinese and mm-hmm. like the new york post ripped her apart and and these Dude. tweets were from like 2014 yeah and so it just, it blows my mind. And she's a comedian. Like, she's yeah. a stand-up. Like, to go back and have to, like, edit yourself from so long ago when that's, like, what you do for a living, it's just, it's it's too much. I almost miss the 90s. Well, I mean, okay. <clears throat> I think what's weird about it to me is, like, this thing we're talking about sovereignty, right? There's There's a lovely... Like, the reason that permission idea was such a big deal to me, like, the permission and allowance, this idea, this a sense of permissiveness. I think the best thing you can be in somebody's lives, like, the best kind of beacon you can be is one that engenders a sense of allowance Mm -hmm. that says, like, whatever you are, whatever you feel, whatever you're going through, you're allowed to be that. And it's like, okay, and trying to create that space for people. That takes a lot of, like, goodwill to trust that people, to say, like, you're going to fuck up and you're going to do your best. Because when you really can look at everybody as a product of their own experiences, that's all they are, is a weird learning computer that's added up all their experiences and is doing their best. Yeah. I think you create space for people to really see if they have goodwill or not. Getting to this this idea about like language policing and stuff like yeah. that, I think it's wonderful that where we are at now is so conscious that we're trying at least at least in word the idea of political correctness or whatever is something saying like oh we're gonna do our best we don't want to hurt anybody with words we're really gonna try our best not to do that but i think two weird human things kick in and one's very i associate with america and capitalism kind of concepts and one of them i think is just like human nature the one that's human nature is just like tribalism that does this thing where you're not actually interested in engendering communication and creating bridges and stuff like that people respecting your space you just want to like 
have you want to become you want to usurp the position of abuse and become the abuser. I think that's where we're at. I think that's where a lot of the culture is at in the sense of like you fucking said the wrong word now you're fucking canceled. You're canceled. It's not about like oh you're hurting my feelings and I want to create space and understanding and all be allowed to have our space. It's about looking for a chance to reverse the power dynamic you know which actually is sort of part of the capitalist lie. The whole thing of like even revolution is is like a thing that once you get it you'll be happy. Like once we get to a place, you'll be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And like that people aren't really interested in, like I would think the erasure of power dynamics that create abuse and like strength and weakness would be the goal. But it seems like a lot of the culture is more about just swapping positions so they can feel like the abuser for a while. Just to be like, this is how it feels to be helpless. It fucking sucks, right? But not even that, not even that like justice oriented, just that human revenge. It's not even like... It's not even justified. It's just like random people looking. It's almost like another form of hatred. And don't get me wrong. I do love the fact that we're becoming more and more politically correct. And I don't think people should be allowed to say whatever is in their mouth at the moment. Like, I think you need to censor yourself. Yeah. Just because words are so hurtful. They fucking are. Words are so hurtful. Oh, I was fucking, yes. But like, I also think like in the sense of like comedy and uh, the internet and stuff like that, like if it's not... If it's in a joke, I guess it's a slippery slope, but like a joke format or like if you know somebody's coming at it from a comedic angle and that's what they do, you gotta, yeah, you gotta, you listen, I think it's all about intention. Like if I look at somebody's intention and it's, if you look at somebody's words and they're hurtful and then you look at the intention behind the words, yeah. it's kind of, it's, it changes the game, I think. I do think that's true. Well, this, okay, so in the idea of, once you respect sovereignty, once you like know that you are secure and people are secure, secure with each other, <laughs> then it becomes possible to share space. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what we're getting at with this idea of goodwill. Yeah. Like, if you truly are interested in creating a world where nobody's feeling like oppressed casually, like, you know, um, what's the word, uh, you know, microaggressions and this kind yeah. of thing. Like, you need to allow people the space to be wrong. And in capitalism and, and that kind of society of, of American exceptionalism, like we punish wrongness. And you can see how true that is in the fact that Donald Trump's the president. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter how wrong things were, he just never admitted it. Mm-hmm. If he had admitted it, people would have punished to be like, oh, see, he's not only is he wrong, he's saying he's wrong, so he must be punished. So there's no, it's not, so if you catch me saying a word I'm not supposed to say, my instinct immediately is like, I better fucking defend this, yeah. explain this, defy Apologize. this, get mad at you for how dare you. I'm doing my best. I'm doing my fucking best. Why are you getting mad at me? You mm. know, why are you trying to... And then that person has this reaction where they're like, and all these fucking SJWs came after me and that's who they are. That's who that's who uh, feminists are and, and all these people, they just fucking, they just fucking want to like hurt me and that's, and I'm doing my best. And like people have these crazy overreactions because there's truly like no space allowed to go for somebody to feel comfortable to go like, I fucked up. I really am doing my best. I don't want to hurt anybody. Yeah. Um, just let me catch up. Please teach me. So do you think me. people should apologize? Do you, like, do you remember the Kathy Griffith, Kathy Griffin, Kathy Griffith thing? Kathy Griffin thing, yeah. yeah. Do you remember that whole thing where she like posed with like Donald with the Trump's head? head? Yeah. And then she apologized for it. Do you think she should have apologized or no? That That's iffy to me. I mean, because then you're getting into a realm of... Uh, I mean, you're asking the wrong person. I'm, yeah. a th- I'm like grew up being a theater artist. And one of the things that th- a high school theater teacher told me was like the role of artists in society was to be a wrench in a machine. Like uh-huh. they're like, that is the literal fucking purpose. And kind of like tracking all the way back to like fools and court jesters who are the ones who are allowed to say the truth and say fucked up th- things to the king without getting murdered, uh-huh. you know, be- without being like, I don't like what, you know, and, and 
the truth to power thing. So Kathy Griffin so is like me, the Kath- fool of the Yeah, I, I think like people are so upset about it because they like to get upset about things and say like, oh, if this were this or that. But you're like, uh, we're talking about an <laughs> artist holding up the right. decap. There's like, there's like a satirical historical context. It's grotesque in a way that I have always liked, like grotesque theater. Mm-hmm. It's like more like clowning to me. And I, I always love gore played for a gag. I think it's like funny i think it's a weird invocation of like thanatos instincts and making you remind you of death and like the gore and the disgusting reality of what we all are these like bags walking around meat and then the idea of like decapitating and revolution and like the whole french revolution there's just so much context to me it was like clearly this work of art and And she shouldn't have apologized well i I think people shouldn't ask for apologies i think they should fucking understand what art is but then the other part of me, my general principle is like, I think if it was an individual, you know, it's punching up, punching down, right? It's like people who don't know what that is in comedy, right? There's this whole idea of like, don't make jokes that punch down. Don't like beat up people who are in a position of weakness. Don't bully people with jokes. Yeah. That's like the low hanging fruit of comedy is to like, is to bully somebody that's beneath you. It's mean. It's mean. Yeah. Or like make the make jokes at the expense of people who are already punished by society, whether yeah. like minorities. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry, but the fucking president of the United States is the most punching up you could ever get. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he is the fucking figurehead. Not even Donald Trump. Because Obama has a lot to fucking answer for in my book. One day will. He never will. Fucking like George Bush killed millions of Iraqis and he's fucking making paintings and, and being, a, a, you know, a fun pal on the fucking late night shows. No one will ever answer for these things. Yeah. But regardless of being Donald Trump and being grotesque in my feelings for, a, you know, whatever, at that individual, he's still the figurehead of the greatest fucking imperial war machine in the goddamn world in the history of man. Mm-hmm. The idea that you can't fucking be as savage as you fucking want at that figure as like a, a expression yeah, or art or a joke. it is the ultimate punch up. It's like a gut punch it's up. the it's ultimate fuck. punch up. Yeah. yeah. It's like that hits you on the chin. Yeah. Which frankly like I, when people get mad about jokes at the expense of their families and stuff too it's yeah. like it's the same thing. It's, it's like I'm sorry people but like there is a difference. Yeah. I don't think you should go after kids necessarily but like Come on, man. That's the royal fucking family. And they're yeah. grotesque. Yeah. And they're going to grow up to keep being grotesque. Yeah. When people preach fucking family values at you and then like have five fucking divorces and affairs with porn stars and Well, stuff that's like that. the same thing. It's kind of like stay in your lane. Like don't, don't fucking rain on my parade. Don't touch me. I won't touch you. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, I think that's and, really and even true. and whatever. So should she have apologized? Fucking probably not. Yeah, I think she should. I think that is a situation where you should double down and let that be a teaching moment to the fucking country about this yeah. is what art is. It's just like you just have to accept that a lot of people aren't going to fucking get it. Like something I always think about is like conservatives are always like Hollywood comedy and liberals. Why don't they have more like conservative voices? Conservatives aren't as funny. You can't be as funny because liberalism inherently involves empathy and mm-hmm. comedy inherently <laughs> involves empathy putting yourself in the position of other people or saying like damn a lot of humans have this experience huh let's laugh at ourselves let's laugh at like this weird stuff that we do yeah it's like hard to make jokes about ascots <laughs> yeah and, and also and like, like keeping all your kids yeah and if you're like a fucking conservative and you like look at the world in this way that is literally that is the best way I always I, I think this is the nicest version I've come to understand the conservative versus liberal instinct in people is Liberals are cons- are concerned with like expression mm-hmm. of like and freedom to like be whatever you want to be, and conservatives are concerned with security. You know, 
like liberals want to help each other. Let's build. Let's <laughs> yeah, grow. Let's be this. And conservatives are like 401k. And conservatives are very retirement. concerned about the safety of the tribe, building yeah. walls, making sure we have weapons, the, the danger of the other. Yeah. Liberals want to like, let's work together. And yep. conservatives are like, let's be careful. And, you know, there's a valid political argument, historically speaking, I think, in like saying the conversation between those two instincts Mm-hmm. And we all have both of those. We all have both of those. Yeah. And that a good, healthy balance of those things would result in a society where you both protect everybody from dangers, which yeah. are real and exist. Yeah. And also you would make sure that the reason you're protecting them from dangers is so that their lives can be rich and full and expressed. AKA, let's all be Republican. Democrats. <laughs> Democrats. <laughs> Fuck the demo- democracy. Fuck the democracy. The Democratic Party is like just, they're Republicans, basically. I don't know. I don't know what to believe anymore. All I know is like, I don't like the way I feel in this current state of politics like I don't I stopped watching the news I stopped listening to NPR like I stopped all of it just because like it doesn't make me feel good and like I realized that I can't change the big picture of everything like I can't change the presidency I can't change who he's firing who he's keeping like I can't change any of that all I can change is like what's in like my direct world you know I started planting trees like I started like getting out like I'm doing like a beach cleanup next week like I'm doing things that like directly affect the way I yes. feel about the world. Well, this, this, so this is a good segue as, you know, hey, my good bad brain, right? We're doing like this mental health yeah. bent or whatever. Like, so, you, and this idea of sovereignty, like where you begin, <laughs> where things end, like you can only contain so much. Right. But like, like I used to think, I think I had a huge breakdown in my early 20s a little bit where I was like, I realized, I, I thought... My brain was so big and powerful. My sense of reality was so big and powerful. I could contain my whole universe within it. That's interesting. In a, in a weird way. Like yeah. un, un, unconsciously. And the weirdness of that is like you start to like, first that starts in your, in your little life. Everything that goes wrong is your fault. Yeah. Like whether it's like your parents having problems or or you're in your relationship or there, somebody well, you like is unhappy. Well, your so small. Yes. But then it grows to where it's like, Oh, well, this is all fucked up because I'm failing at that. And you start to feel like the pains of, yeah, foreign conflicts and other people. Those start to become very personal. Right. And you start to realize existentially, I don't believe I'm part of a big thing. I think the whole thing is me. Like a solipsism thing. Like, I believe, like, my in, in, in impression of the universe is something that's just contained through my processor. Mm-hmm. And that it's all this, like, dream I'm having. Mm. And you don't get real. That's versus why, what's the other? Versus surrender. Versus an acknowledgement that you are part of a vast and impossibly large Oh, which whole. one do you think? You I are? think 100% there's no question that I am part of a vast and incomprehensible whole. Yeah. But allowing yourself that practice, that like visualization or whatever, that true understanding of surrender. Yeah. Oh my God, I am fucking a little tiny piece of a big thing and we're all the Oof. big thing. Isn't it scary to think that you're not as important as you think you are? I think it's scary. I think ego death is scary. Ooh, yeah. It's because terrifying. Because it's all you know for so long. That's correct. And I think it keeps you safe. Like, ego and, and it keeps the organism alive. It like, keeps the tube functioning. Right. <laughs> and it takes, like, maturity, uh, maybe, uh, a faith, a kind of bravery. Well, I think ego is a that word out. that people throw around so much now. It's like one person read The Secret, and they're like, use the word ego, spread it, spread it. And it's just like now everybody's yeah. like, is that your ego talking? Or well, like, that's, good. that's true. Your ego. We have to maybe clarify then, I think ego is colloquially used to mean, like, the, your arrogant self or something yeah, like that. I think ego means the thing that is in you that wants you to succeed for reasons outside of just being. You know what I mean? Like okay. all we're meant to do is just like, if you really look yes. at like who you are 
you have all your needs met. You know what I mean? Like you have like a roof over your head, whether it's like a nice roof like this or like it's a tent, you know what I mean? Like you have a place to sleep, you know where to get fresh water. Like those are like the basics, food, water, shelter. And I think like anything outside of that is a little ego driven. I think that's true. But like also, thank God, like I'm so glad I have an ego. Like, and I'm so glad that my ego drives a lot of the things that I do and that I want. Does yes. that make sense? Yes, it does. I think, so I would say, my thought about the ego is maybe like, when I use the word ego, I th- I think I'd add a little bit more to it, existentialist thing, that I, I truly believe the ego is not just that, which seems like very informed definitely by identity, uh, uh, by societal values yeah. and pressures, things like that, personal pressures. But even further, I think ego is truly the illusion of identity in general sure like the the identity that i have created that is wholly rooted in this vessel i yeah. I'm, this will be a thing that happens on this podcast a lot is talking about to me the, the this idea i my whole life have struggled to really understand but the relationship with my, my true self as i call it thinking about capitalized letters and my vessel and understanding that my perception of my true self, whatever I consider to be my identity, my soul, my consciousness, my spark of whatever, I would call it the signal. Like the uh-huh. body and reality here is the TV set and the signal comes from somewhere else. We just That's the thing I believe and I don't know how to describe yeah. it beyond that. Um, but that the vessel, it's very hard. The ego, a lot of ideas of our sense of self feel very real and we have to remind ourselves that they are all constructs of the body Mm -hmm. of the brain of chemicals smashed around of electrons smashing around of amassed experiences in society and that that is to me the ego and there's so often that i feel like i'm having conversations with Jarrett about like and and Jarrett as my body yeah and being like well what does Jarrett want and need what does Jarrett feel like is real or not is that real or not and those kind of things and that is the ego which definitely as part of it is are those things the pressures of society and the, yeah. and the you know it's funny I have a do you know John Fisher no oh my god you guys should all go look him up he's so funny and he has this great joke and he's like, it's funny, the more debt I get into, the more spiritual I become. Because That's it's it's like one of amazing. those things where you're just like, oh, it's just my ego, man. Like, fuck it. Like, I just, I'm just going to sit here and, you know, not. And I just, it's <sighs> it's so true to me. Because yes. it is a good crutch to get out of reality. I fucking totally agree with that. Yeah. I also think, I was talking to someone about this the other day. This is this is a little bit trite, I guess, but, but a f- fun, lovely I was thinking one of the topics we would talk about was what I've been calling hypocrite spo, which are like <laughs> that we are kind of cynical, funny, sarcastic. We're funny people, We're just you know. Great. We're just kind of like funny, smart, yeah, like you we know, just like exist and we're funny. <laughs> just like so savage and like <laughs> sharp, fucking lit, savage. Um, but like that, I think both of us in the time I've known you, I've come to like we both are like into <laughs> like some fucking dorky inspirational shit that actually Constantly. resonates with us. Yeah. At all times. Yeah, so like that's am I like hypocrite spell, what I'm hypocritically inspired by. And some of it are like dinky metaphors that are so obvious, but one of them is like, I think sometimes like you'll be like you have you're in a pit, you're in a hole, mm. and you'll never get out of that fucking hole. Mm-hmm. Then someone starts pouring literal shit into the hole on mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. And then you get out of the hole. Because you're like, Well, fuck, man. It gets worse and yeah. the getting worse goes like, Well, I guess I'll fucking drown in this literal excrement if I don't get out of this hole. Yeah. And so that allows you to get out of the hole and that's like you know a whole breakdown breakthrough you got to hit rock bottom blah blah blah. but but to me the thing you said about the debt thing is like that sometimes okay so then i'm gonna keep going a little further segue this with something that uh, 
was going with a friend vaguely, was like, something I've experienced in people, if they don't fucking, if the system works for them for too long, yeah, they will fucking lose their shit later in life the first time it breaks down. So like, sure. you know, yeah, of because course. you believe it's real yeah. and it functions and you're like, I'm a good person. Child actors. Yeah. yeah. I'm a good person. I'm following the rules. I worked really hard and then I got the job yeah. and I paid the taxes mm-hmm. and I've done all the things. Yeah. And I have the wife and the kid and, and the then car all of a sudden things start to fucking not be working. Yeah. You can't keep up with all the fucking bills and all the little rules and you get tagged here or there on like a credit check thing or something yeah. because you just didn't pay attention. You didn't notice the one letter that came and, and you start to go like, what am I doing wrong? I'm doing everything right. Right, what the fuck? And you realize, oh, the system is set up to fuck you, yes. to fail, yes. to keep people oppressed. I have a, a close uh, family who's friends with some like billionaires or friends of billionaires and was around with them. Yeah. And was just like, billionaires just don't exist in our universe. They don't think about credit or banks or or if they're gonna get a parking ticket and the parking ticket's anything. gonna like screw them over yeah no. that yeah. But, but that there is something profound about that thing of them of realizing those fucking people like are outside of the system and there is something about that 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 if you experience early on in life sooner than later that you how much you can't control again this is about sovereignty yeah. it's about learning when you really can learn about your sovereignty you also learn where you end and do you think um you have that perspective and i feel like i have adapted that perspective not as much as you have like because you're way fucking deeper than i am but do you think that's because of your childhood? I think it's part of my, partly my childhood. I think partly it's my dumbass fucking brain, my, some mental issues that I only this last year got like officially diagnosed and started taking medication for. Yeah. I also think it's because I've fucking failed a lot. Yeah. Like a lot, a lot, a lot, yeah. a lot, a lot. And I'm reading th- this book right now called Light is the New Black. Have you heard of it? No. It's it's fluffy, but it's good. I love and there's it. like this one chapter, uh, like the, the excerpt to the chapter is like, I hope you break down and I hope you fail. And it's like, and I hope you trip and I hope you fall and I hope you scratch your head and then I hope you get a concussion and then I hope, and it's like mm-hmm. all of these hopes like that are so negative. Yeah. And it's like that way you can like get out. Fuck yeah. But like I, I mean, have that, that different is, hopes dude, for I, myself. Well, yes. That is, that is, okay. Again, in the <laughs> hypocrite spouse shit, dude, I am such a sucker for that kind of like Navy SEAL bullshit. Like yeah. I really am. Like I, I think about it <laughs> a lot. just fat crying. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of shit. And just, I remember this one I think about a lot of the time about like, okay. And this is again, I'm not like, I think a, a, a thing of our times that's an issue. That's like a misguided problem. Um, I think it's because people are so binary. You can't hold a paradox. Yeah. Like the PC thing. Yeah. Like you can't hold the paradox that like you would both pay attention and police language a little bit to try to make the world more hospitable for all of each other and also allow space for people to get better and learn. Right. Like those don't seem to jive, you know, because <clears throat> um, you're like letting people off the hook. And then if you don't punish the crime, then how will they know it's wrong? You know, it's kind of yeah. stupid. Um, I think there's something similar with that in this idea of taking responsibility for yourself and victim shaming. And that like we've entered this realm, which is wrong to punish victims. It's wrong to punish people like for failing at anything because you don't know where people are from or what their capacities are. And the trying is all that fucking matters and the encouragement and the hope that they'll get there eventually. You have to fail a million billion fucking times. There's uh, jujitsu bullshit. A black belt's just a white belt who never quit. Like that stuff's all fucking true. Uh, but don't you think we coddle like we're a coddly but this society is, this is, well I like don't we're all second place winners in oh our see I think that that whole thing is so fucking dumb when people complain that to me I'll, I'll, I'll say why well okay because here's what I was going to say at the same time of understanding that people should not be punished for failing or being victims or being hurt which they absolutely should not 
Also, we should encourage in people uh, an idea that seemingly is paradoxical, but is as true and loving, which is that you should learn to take responsibility for yourself as best you can. And I think that's the disconnect. Well, I think, yes. But I do think there's a way to lovingly encourage... I'll, this is a good example. My friend Miles, who's going to be on this podcast, I think, at some point, um, if he hasn't already. I don't know when this is coming yeah. out. <laughs> Miles is a chef, and he's one of the most inspiring... He's like my best friend, one of the most inspiring people I've ever met. Um... In kitchens, people are really fucking mean. Like people are, that's the traditional, it comes from French kitchens, which had like a military tradition behind them. And so if you fuck up, you get fucking yelled at and everything's really fucking hard. You know, that's the the traditional kitchen thing. And I saw Miles when he was working and he was finally in charge of his own kitchens. I saw him shift one day and I asked him about it and he had consciously stopped being shitty. Like he, because he's not like that in person. He's not yeah, that kind of person. Yeah. He's he's gentle. He's like conversational. He's intense. He definitely has an intensity to him, but it's because that's what geniuses have intensity about them, you know? And um, he was like, I don't think it helps. I think it helps to communicate with people. And I watched one day somebody bring had burned a carrot sauce reduction or something like oh, that. Brought it over in. Classic him. fail. Classic, right? He does very high in cuisine. Everyone's this high standard, right? They burn it. He tastes it. And this look at, instead of going like, which I've seen chefs a million times do the like, you fucking, get the fuck, go bake it again. Get out of you know, my whatever. kitchen. He like, his shoulders kind of slumped because it takes a while. They're, you know, he cares about his ingredients. It's very about like, are you wasting these yeah. things? He's, I've never, I don't know how he shot. Like I always shot, get way too much shit. He buys for whole restaurants and gets like, no, I only need one bunch of carrots. You know? Yeah, yeah. And he had this, his shoulders like slumped and he tasted it and he just had this kind of like, kind of like waved his hand. It was just like, make it again. And he just sounded so disappointed. Now, would you rather have somebody disappointed in you or fucking scream your head scream, off? Scream my head scream off. Scream any yeah. day. Any day. I would rather this somebody person... be like, make it again, you piece of shit. Yeah. Quit. Yeah, because then you're like, oh, fuck you. I know how to resist oh that. Oh, that asshole. Being disappointed in is, the, I, yeah. would, I would argue to say that's meaner than throwing a knife at somebody. That's so funny. I think it hurts more. But again, I think that's because it seems meaner because our society has created a situation where it's not okay to fail. But the disappointment to me was loving because the disappointment says I know you can do better and then you leave with that and you go they were like yes chef and they made it again and it was fine it was probably better they probably are always going to be better now because having somebody who believes in your possibility but do you really get that out of being disappointed like do you really think the outcome is I believe in your possibility when somebody's disappointed in you I well yes I do I think I think that is the inherent well again it's context right what's the intention who's the person in general but Someone being mad at you, you know, again, if you're peers and you get to a certain level, there's a kind of like anger at a professional or a professional anger that you're like, come the fuck on, man. Like, pick it up, which makes sense. And it's not mean. It's a way you communicate in hot, hot zones and you, it's not personal. When somebody yells at you like that, do you feel like you do better after that? Or do you feel like... It just depends who it is. Well, see, like sometimes regardless when somebody's like, come on, man, pick it up. Fucking you can do better. I'm like can I and I get so in my head and I get so like stumbly and like I'd say generally it's not helpful to me it's not helpful there there is one it's context I guess I just think contextually the implicit under a disappointment is one of they have a bigger belief and faith in who you are in what you're capable of okay and that inspires in you to go like fuck I don't want to I am capable as opposed to like somebody being mad at you which I think can create kind of like a resentment and the kind of like... 
Yeah, I think if someone's mad at me, I'm like, who do you think you are being mad at yeah, me? Yeah, I think being mad at somebody <sighs> is very early 2000s. Like, we should just be done being mad at people. I agree. I think time is too valuable, and like, we've learned too much in the past 10 years, like, to be mad at people. Like, you're allowed to cut people out of your life. You're allowed to like not exist in the space that you don't. If you, if somebody doesn't bring you up, get rid of that person. I think because they're gonna bring somebody else up. You know. Yes. Hold on. This might be technical difficulties for a second. I'm going to take this thing off. I'm really hoping we don't listen to this later and I had like jangling sounds the whole time. But I think this will be better. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Disappointment. No. Disappointment over... Um, anger over disappointment. Rage over disappointment. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I think there... It's just... It's just like this whole thing about like... Take responsibility. Mm-hmm. Do you take responsibility? Or are you good at taking responsibility? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes not. I, I, I laugh about it now. I catch myself a lot. I realize because I grew up with a lot of siblings. Yeah. I, I joke about it the other with Jason or something like that, like on, on the podcast, whenever that comes out. But like somebody accuses me of something. If I didn't do anything, I'm instantly like, no, I fucking didn't. Oh, what yeah. You? you know? Yeah, that's and a charming quality. It's great. It's really fucking great. Really cute. I, I try to just like, I, I think it's like become sillier because I catch myself at it now. But yeah. It's hard, man. Again, Life is hard. Just, Growing up is hard. The realization that we don't make it okay to fail yeah. has been a big one for me. Oh, and then and then so like realizing, I think the bigger thing about failing over and over and it making you a better person ultimately also, isn't just like some simple idea of like you pick yourself out of your bootstraps and you get back up. I think it's healthy, very fucking healthy to really understand your boundaries and understand that the morality as we understand it isn't like a law of the universe mm. that like... Sometimes shit does just fucking happen and yeah. it's not good and it doesn't matter that you did the right thing the whole right. time and blah blah and it's not bad and it's not good it just fucking happens. Do you know what's helped me with failure a lot in the past like 8 no. months maybe is knowing that everybody fails and knowing that everybody's trying yeah. their best. Like I mean especially for us like going in like auditioning and like doing like performative stuff Ugh. and and so and just knowing uh, this is so weird but like before I go into a room or before I like get up in front of a group of people to speak like I'm I always have this image in my mind that everybody tried to poop this morning. Like we That's so all good. tried to wake up before we had to go anywhere, drink a cup of coffee and go to the bathroom. Like Fuck we yeah. all, and we've all messed up and we're all, we all feel like frauds. I really like that. You go right to butthole stuff too. Immediately. The one I always had in my head was like, no matter how fucking cool an artist, that's how I always thought of like <laughs> yeah. cool artists, like yeah. cool people who are like, how are they so fucking cool? I don't know. I always pictured them, um, I always thought to myself, they have a toilet paper preference. <laughs> like at some point, they're they're in the they're just in a fucking terrible Ralph's like terrible lighting yeah. aisle, being like, which toilet paper do I want to buy? Yeah. Uh, which which like type of paper would I like to wipe my shitty asshole with? Yeah, that's. And really you're just funny. like, and it's just funny that we both go to like butthole stuff. Yeah. Where you're just like, no matter how cool you are, dude, you get a dirty butthole once a day, probably. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I totally. I that's like helped me so much to realize that we're all at the end of the day. We all think we're frauds. Like, we're all terrified we're going to get found out. Like, even, like, the biggest head of yeah. whatever, the one person imposter that's judging syndrome. you. Everybody, I, I, drew, I truly believe that everybody feels like an imposter. Well, I think there's something kind of nice about And this gets into the ego thing, too, again. Yeah. Because the imposter stuff is... I think there's some weird truth to the imposter syndrome. Oh, of course. Because... You are wearing a costume. Your whole life, your mortal coil, the sheath and the identity that you are from fucking infancy, birth, all the way till you fucking die, yeah. isn't really you. 
It's right. this thing that you wear while you're here or that you operate while you're here. And it's just it's just like a magnet of things that you've seen and like pers- like realities that you want to bring in yes. and like things that you think would be like an okay. You're just trying on a yes. bunch of different hats in daily situations. And 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 believing in structures as real things helps you survive. It helps you keep sanity as you're growing up. So you think oh, yeah. things make sense. Yeah. So you go like, well, if I'm going to, what'll happen is I'll get this job and then I'll get this job and I'll get this qualification. And then I'll get this. Yeah. And when you grow up and you're suddenly in certain positions and you're like, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah. You realize like, oh, this is you, you, you don't actually necessarily realize this. You think to yourself probably forever. I'm just an imposter. What the fuck? Everybody else is the real one and I'm not. But if you can really break through, you go like, oh, wait a minute. That's everybody, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's very fucking rare. The fucking uh, McNamara in the Vietnam War or whatever who ran the Department of Defense, mm-hmm. he was like running car factories before that. And they were like, we think, your, we think your car factory experience will be really good for bombing this little country. Bananas. That's bananas. But also, you know, he got the job. You got the <laughs> Uh, Wait, I, booked I, I booked it. I booked it. I booked it. Magnamara's like, I booked He's it. Like, I'm the Secretary of Defense. Papa, Papa. <laughs> I booked it. I'm going to bomb Vietnam. <laughs> Do you think we could bomb Laos too? I know they're not part of it, but it might be fun. But fuck it. I made a Ford. Yeah. Cambodia, uh, throw them in. I have to pee. Yeah, go pee. Okay. Uh, actually, and I'll pause this because then I can test the sound. Wee. Okay. Sorry. All right. I heard, I learned, apparently there's like two kinds of organisms. There's like diastomies and so I fucking gonna say the wrong word but we are the kind that when oh, let me fix that thing too <laughs> so sorry I don't even think I realize it fell <laughs> alright there's two kinds of organisms, yeah. and I forgot what they're called. One's called a diastomy or blastom. I don't know, something like that. Kay. But basically, they're like the first orifice that uh, that is formed, the first like hole that's formed on in the organism when the cells are all co- are collecting. Yeah. It either becomes a mouth or it becomes a butthole. Oh, what? Is and that on, what they look yes. so much alike? And on people, it becomes a butthole. <gasps> So I really love that the what first about dogs? thing. What about dogs? I think they're buttholes too. They're like I think all normal animal like animals as we think of them. Yeah. Like the cells form into your asshole first. Like what about a seahorse? I don't know the answer to that. I oh. think because it's weird. It's some kind of like bug. I'll Google it. Go on Wikipedia. Hold on. You want me to find the answer? No, answer? I don't. I don't care enough. But I just like the idea so much. I just because that's because mouths and buttholes kind of look the same. Well, I think about that all the time. <clears throat> I think about that a lot too, and I think that's why Snapchat filters were created. Really? Yeah, because... So you could film your butthole? Well, I, I've never tried, but I do feel like if you put... Whoa. If you, like, pressed it... Maybe that's not the only reason they were created, but I do think... Listeners. I do think if you were to put your butthole on a Snapchat filter, you could make faces. You could, like, make it rain hearts. Deuterostomies. Sure. That's what they're called. Also a Bible. I know. It sounds like... That's why I, that's why I think I'm pronouncing it like that. It's probably like a deuterostome or something, but deuterostomy. <laughs> Deutero- I'm like, deuteronomy. Deuterostomy three... The Book of Buttholes. (laughs) Um, Wait. Oh, so, okay. Ego. Yeah. Growing up. The shell. Whatever. Mm. Failure early. Who you think you are. Failure. Wait. And we were talking about ego or something like that. Buttholes. Toilet paper. But the thing I was thinking, very related to that, was you and I both, this thing we bonded over very early, is I would say our um, t-shirt in the pool youth. Oh, I think we bonded. I think we're... 
I think we're soulmates on some level because of our upbringing. Yes. And just because of our like sheer aesthetic as children. I think 100%. We're both like Zoftig as youth. We were gross. We were plump. <laughs> no, I mean, here's well, here's the thought I have about that really yeah. quickly because I'm sure there's other people, there's people probably listening who are going through awkward phases who don't sure. feel great about who they are. One experience I constantly have, maybe you'll feel differently, but I don't know, is I look at pictures of myself in the past. I look at pictures of myself as youth and I'm just like, this kid is so fucking beautiful. Aww. Why does he fucking hate himself so much? Do you know what I mean? I remember hating myself. Yeah. All through my life. Yeah. And you're just like, what the fuck? And it's even like the lens gets shorter. Like you'll get a selfie from like a year or two ago. And I remember hate being like, oh, and you're like gross. I look, I look so good. It's insane. It's insane. I, I think about that more recently than I do like as a child. Like I'll look at a picture for myself like a couple years ago and I'm like, wait, why didn't you eat carbs? Like you look beautiful. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. I think that's really important <laughs> to keep in perspective yeah. because I really try to now when I start to fucking self-hate again or tell, yeah. be like, Hey, you know what's going to happen is in six months, a year, two years, you're 10 like, years, you're going to be like, that. you're fucking gorgeous. What is wrong with you? Yeah. Even like weird imperfections and stuff, I think like in a weird like uh, aesthetic way now, I'm like, I think like pimples are like cute. cute. They're like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I still, when I get them, I'm like, I don't know, I have a pimple. But yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like there's something very youthful about a dapple of acne. Very, very youthful. <laughs> yeah. A little under eye bags. Yeah. Very childlike. Very Olsen twin. But I think like being kids who felt weird in our bodies and like we always wore t-shirts in the pool and stuff. Always. Be like, I burn these. I burn easily. <laughs> I burn easily. Really, I just don't want anybody to see my boobs. Oh my you know, God. My fat Jared boobs. and I were, I mean, we were, uh, do you think you weigh the same now as you did as a kid? I weigh, I weigh more now. You weigh more But now. I'm taller and I'm definitely more muscular than I was as a child. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> that's um, but I think, no but, I, but that's part of, to me, was like, in this exchange or this discussion with your vessel and stuff, I, I think a big problem is that people identify so hard with their bodies. And they go like, I don't like my body. It's a, it's, it starts to represent a failure of willpower or a yeah, failure of lazy. luck or whatever. And none of that's real. Like, this is just the fucking body that you walk around in. Yeah, but don't you agree that you should take care of yourself? And, I like, do, I do. And, move your body? A hundred percent. I, Jason, my fucking roommate, gave me a paradigm-shifting definition of fitness. I asked him, like, what do you think being fit is? What do you define as fit? And it's so dumb, because I've spent, like, 15, 20 years, like, looking at this kind of, like, yeah. physical practice. Wait, what is it? He just goes, I think it's just when you feel good in your body. And I was like, oh, that's yeah. so dumb and simple and trite. It just can mean whatever it means to different people. And that's what fitness should mean. Yeah. Because if I say fit, if I say I'm fit, I feel fit. I can do really deep squats. I can move in different ways. I feel having body. I can't run across the fucking Utah desert, 240 mile race that some people can do. That's fit for them. Right. But that's what would make them happy or not. Right. And then sometimes like walking up a flight of stairs and not getting winded is fit for somebody else. That's correct. Right. Mostly I think for me it's become, I just don't want to be in pain. Yeah. Which is... A lot of physical practices that I pursued, lifting heavy, doing different things and doing them in irresponsible ways at the time, which I recommend lifting heavy. I'm not saying there's thing wrong but with like that. But like don't CrossFit yourself to death. Don't do anything to death, but dude, you got to find your boundaries so you're going to find them. I, yeah, I think there's a lot of benefits. Yeah, break down, break through. Yeah, there's a lot gotta of benefits to it. Got to pull a hammy to know what you can lift. To, to a certain degree, I don't, obviously don't think that, don't hurt yourself, but I think you should fucking push your boundaries. Sure. But I'm also super conscious of like, I don't fucking think there's blanket statements for people. Wait, when did you get cute? I think 
I I got cuter. Do you feel Do you feel cute now? I do. You do. But I think that's because I love myself more. When and, and not when in was like the shift? not in like but it's because I think everybody's kind of cute yeah. unless they have like a darkness to them. The things that make people not cute are not what people think. The the people things that make people not cute are not like the uh, a, a body mass index or a, a fat to muscle ratio or anything. I truly believe the things that make you cute are your are cruelty. Uh, your anxieties, your fears, a sort of apology for existing is something that triggers like an unattractiveness in people. Um, that's very weird and real. There's like this this thing. Uh, you would think by being pathetic, the human instinct would be to um, eliminate. No, that is the instinct. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you would think that it would be like, oh, I'm gonna please don't hurt me. Yeah. But it does it, it this weird trigger in people where they want to kill you mm-hmm. when you do that. And I think that's so interesting to know about people. And there's something about it that's like, oh, you don't even uh, care to stand up for yourself and protect yourself. Then you're going to be bad for the herd. You're going to be bad for well, people. Well, it's the same thing like when people kind of like randomly apologize, you get it into your head that they've done something wrong. And you're like, well, fuck you. I don't want you on my team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and ugh, man, there's, there's obviously a lot of problems with that. Like we were talking about. Like yeah. you need to have room for people to apologize and say, fuck, I did something wrong so that they can do better. Yeah. But... I think those kind of things are what make people feel like a graspiness and a kind of like lack of personal sovereignty. Again, I'm keeping that word like a core that says like, I'm here. I know I'm here. I'm okay with myself. Yeah. There's a lot of power in that. I think you got to it a lot faster than most people do, especially with like the childhood that you had. Not that it was like an abusive, bad childhood, but it was just like, I I mean, for me too, like it, it wasn't. Why well, struggle? Normal. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't normal in the sense of like a normal childhood. Like it wasn't. Right. You know. It was like crazy parents. Yeah, doing crazy. their thing. Yeah, kind of like on your own, eating your feelings. Definitely. You know, like self medicating in a different way. Yes. Yeah. I mean, oh, so I was going to say this though. I think that's what's empowering about the idea of getting away from ownership over your or getting away from identity with your vessel yeah. is maybe you can move into a realm of ownership over it. Uh-huh. And then things like the numbers on the scale or what you look like, they're not moral failures. Right. They're just like, I'd like to change this or not. Like you wouldn't feel like, or you shouldn't feel, I think you shouldn't feel like disgusted and like there's something wrong with you because like your hedges are dirty. If you were like a landowner or something like that, <laughs> you would just go fix them up. What's a better example? Your bed being unmade or something like that. Like you could just make your bed if you want it and you wouldn't feel like a personal failing. I mean, you can, you can make everything a guilt thing, Yeah. but do, I don't know. I don't know if I'm expressing well, it's this like clearly. You don't hate yourself when you need a haircut. You just go get a haircut. That's a good example. Yeah. That's a much better. You just get a haircut. You just yeah, fucking you're just change like, it. Oh, I need a bang trim. And I think it's okay. I, I have a lot of fun. I feel like now I go through weird phases where I'm like, I'm going to gain weight for a while and see what that's like. And then I'm going to just cut weight for a while for this reason yeah. or that. And it just becomes like this thing you play with. Like your body's a thing. That's, that's a, that's a great, like a healthy place to be. I think. Well, I think uh, the other thing about it is consciously choosing it. Especially right. like the thing of like own, being whatever you are moment to moment. I think partly that had to do with me having ADD and having like this sort of moment to moment like I have to constantly make choices. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, writing an essay. I was never very good at writing essays. I felt it's fucking hard. I'd get very confused. I couldn't remember like the structure you're supposed to use or whatever. So I would just have to go to these stupid practices of being like, let's just answer the question. Like... How am I going to write this essay? Well, imagine somebody just asked you the question, then what would you say and write it? Yeah. And and doing little self-check-ins like that. You know what? It takes a lot. And I know writing an essay is like a, it's an example for like life essentially. But it takes like a lot to remember 
to ask yourself the questions. Yes. It takes more effort to do that than it does to write a terrible essay. You know what I mean? Like it, that remembering to, to check in is harder than it is to just fuck up yes. and get punished for it and then fuck up again and get punished for it. One thing I think about that my mom told me, um, I bet your dad has some stuff like this. For people who don't know, Tracy's dad is like real like inspo. Yeah, like, he's a motivational speaker. And but he's also, also actually an inspiring figure. I agree. I mean, he's like talk about somebody who takes care of their vessel and like does their best to try to <sighs> to an extreme you think like too much i mean he's the 15th fittest man in the world like oh in the crossfit things yeah that's actually really crazy in crazy. his like age group and his sure yeah but yeah, still yeah. i mean that's still insane and he's also like the oldest guy on record he's like 61 to finish Fuck. the seal fit training yeah that's crazy it's crazy nobody like 22 year olds he did it with couldn't finish that's so fucking cool, bananas though. but like uh, to to a level of extreme, in my opinion, really, it's too much. Yeah, yeah, because I think it's a, I think it's a self medicating. But thing. don't you? Oh, you do. Yeah, I think it's an. It's a I way think that's to important to like. Well, okay, so this gets to the question asking thing, right? Is like, um, I was gonna say, my mom had something she put in my head some time ago, and I think she, I think it started. The, the, I associated with a few things that she said over the years. Mm-hmm. One was it started with a thing that I used to joke about, but like in her, she's you know been in a couple marriages and relationships sure. and stuff, and. She started this practice of inquiry, kind of. That's how I think of it now. Where she said, "You check in. With, it's important to check in with your partner and go like, who are you today? Who oh, are you today? You okay. know.'" And I used to joke about it and became this like phrase, like, "Who are you today?" Um, but it's actually a really wonderful thing to go like, you can take for granted who somebody is in your life. And so I so then started to do this thing of of applying it to myself. Yeah. And then my mom had this other inquiry practice that I associate with it. Yet later that she taught me, it was like. Basically asking yourself, is this true? Is that true? Or what if that were true? And that kind of a thing. And that line of questioning is so fucking helpful. Yeah. Where where you just go like, what am I feeling? I feel bad. I feel really bad. What kind of bad? I feel... pissed like I'm not worth I'm not a good person. Why? Well, because I ate things I wasn't supposed to eat. Oh, okay. So if somebody else ate something they weren't supposed to eat, would that mean that they were a bad person? And you'd be like, no, that's crazy. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, okay. So does that mean that you're a bad person because you ate something you weren't supposed to eat? You're like, no. no. You know, I'll have another yeah, taco. Yeah. Or go like, well, what, what is another reason that you maybe shouldn't be eating it? Do you think it's a moral failure or is it because it's going to hurt your stomach later? And you'd be like, it's going to hurt my stomach a lot later. Are yeah. you willing? Do you want to like shit your brains out for a couple of days or do you want to like make a better choice? And they go like, I don't know. Today I feel like shitting my brains out. I don't care. It tastes good. Yeah. And then other days you're like, Nah, you're right. I'm going to not do this. But that kind of like non-judgmental internal questioning. So helpful. But slowing down and asking yourself questions before it gets to the shit your brains out part is so hard. That's the practice. And I think that's the true success. Regardless of what path you decide to go down, just to sit, just to slow down for like 25 seconds or however long that took you to say like it and ask yourself those important questions yes dude i have like really bad anxiety like that's Uh like my like crippling thing do you have you been diagnosing anxiety totally do you can i ask do you take medication for it no i i haven't on purpose have you avoided it or i've avoided it yeah and it's it's because i'm anxious that i'm gonna get allergic to or it or like i'm gonna be somewhere and i'm not gonna have it or like i'm gonna be numb to it like i have anxious thoughts about getting on anxiety medication well that's so real getting i mean people you get uh you feel guilty about feeling guilty you feel afraid about being afraid well tell me more about like how anxiety manifests for you 
Um, because you're a stand-up fucking comedian. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah which is... Um, that's like almost... That sounds crazy almost. It's like an anxiety-inducing career path. And I'm like, I'm in entertainment, which is like the most fucking anxious sure. place to be. It's almost like... It's almost like pouring salt on a wound. But do you think that you chose it on purpose as like your well, thing I to deal with? I grew up like super unattractive and I grew up really dyslexic and I grew up anxious. So like every therapist that I've ever seen, they're always like, oh, this is like the ultimate um, fuck you to everybody that you grew up with. Do you internally feel <laughs> that you're doing it from a position of defiance towards no. the universe? No. Yeah. See, I don't, that doesn't seem, that's not who you seem like to me. No, no, no. I'm doing it because I like love it and I love what I do and I like facilitating a story and, and making people laugh. But like I... Oh, that's really interesting though. Wait, so, okay. Do you think there's any part of you that's doing it as a way to deal with like that's I think your there, there is some struggle? nice times when like people from high school see me on like TV and they're like, oh, I mean, I've never been there when they've like seen me on TV, but like well, I do feel there's a, there's a little glimpse of excitement sure. I get when I get to post a picture with like a, right. a network, you know? Yeah. But I mean, well, that makes total sense. That's totally fucking human. Yeah. I just mean more like personally, internally, if your struggle was anxiety, which is has to do with getting up in front of people, right? Doing things like not being enough, like everything being too overwhelming. Yeah. And you chose the most on the spot overwhelming career. Like if this were a book, that would like be a logical narrative of like, yeah. this is the theme of this person's story. Yeah. Do you feel like there's a part of you that's like, you know, yes, you love telling stories. You love making people laugh, which to me speaks to some, maybe some like healer kind of thing. Like those was that like what those were for you growing up? Like comedy and entertainment was like an escape and everything that made you feel better or more human? Probably. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's, I don't know why I do it. And I don't think it helps my anxiety, but I do think I'm a person with anxiety who doesn't let it cripple them. Like I never don't leave the house. I always get dressed every day. I always make it a point to do something. Flying terrifies me and I happen to be like on a plane constantly. You know what I mean? Like I always walk through my fears. So maybe subconsciously it's like a way for me to just like bulldoze through it all. That's a great quote. That's a great phrase. Walk through your fears. Yeah. Just like, just... Is that a thing like you literally think of it that way mm -hmm. you, that you say, I'm going to walk yeah. through my fears? Again, like when I can slow my brain down. Yeah. Another thing that really helps me with anxiety is the thought line of what is versus what if. I, I got told once like depression, like yeah. you can be like anxious or depressed. I mean, you can be both, but typically somebody's one or the other. Mm -hmm. And people who are depressed live in the past and people <clears throat> who are anxious live in the future. Right. And I like live so far in the future Yes. So there was, I, I'm very intimate with that. Yeah. And that, that thing of like, I think about that all the time. What is versus what if this to me is what I was talking about with the failures too. Like if you yeah. hit with failures earlier in life, you, I think at least slightly stop attaching as much value to the what if, because you're like, this is, this is how I look at it now <clears throat> is very pragmatically. Yeah. Things are going to fuck up. Yeah. 100%. That is going to happen. Yeah. That is what happens. That's not pessimistic. That's like, that's just telling you, you don't have control. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to slip one day, you're going to get a flat tire one day. You don't know. So if I know for sure, one day I will have to deal with something that fucks up. But right now, things are not fucked up. Right. Do I want to fake the fuck up every day by worrying about it and right. dealing with the fuck up every fucking day and right. making my life about the fuck up that may or may not happen? Right. Or do I just deal with it when it happens? A hundred percent. Yeah. Like I found myself the other day sitting at my table and I was just like, I was like studying for like a job and I was like, I need to get this job because this guy that I know is doing the job and like if I, I need to like impress him and then if I don't impress him, I won't get this other job. And then, you know, and then like in my mind, I'm like, I can't like 
sustain this life. I can't like do this. I can't do that. And I go into this like thought just blackout of craziness. And then like I, I genuinely have to be like, that's the what if, like what is actually happening? Mm-hmm. Like none of those things. All that's happening is I'm like sitting at my kitchen table waiting for a yam to cook. Like that's yeah. what is yeah. happening. Yeah. I heard this story that this like pastor told this story one time at like a, my family was is part of one of those like um, spiritual centers for spiritual living. Yeah, it's like a non-denominational. That's correct. Yeah, Scientology. Yeah. <laughs> Not Scientology. Just to be clear. Um, and, but he told this really fucking funny story, I thought, where he was just like about, he lives, it's like they were, this is like in NorCal or something <laughs> like that. And I guess like they have lizards in the, where they live, like, you know, just like wild lizards. And somebody was like, or, or no, I think it was even funnier. It was like somebody's pet lizard had gotten out. And this guy was like, someone had told him, be careful, there's this lizard that got out, it might be in your house. And he just was looking for the lizard. Yeah. And suddenly the lizard is everywhere. Suddenly the lizard's behind every fucking corner, blah, blah, blah. He's like living his whole life, his whole day about this lizard. And then is like, never saw the lizard. No one ever saw the lizard. It never showed up. It wasn't a problem. Nothing. But... It didn't fucking matter. The lizard had been there the whole time because he had put it there and worried about it and changed his whole life around about this lizard that's not even there. But the same can be said if you flip that on its head and just make it a positive. You know what I mean? Like the same thing could be like, oh, yes, success. Like success is everywhere. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, this parking spot I just well, got is so yeah. close. I'm so successful. It's all about perspective. I definitely think that's true. And to me, that is the part about the failure and the thing in day to day. Like I struggle all the fucking time with just living a normal life. Sure. Like I'm, I'm not good at making ends meet. I'm not good at doing business. I have failed at fucking so many things in my life. And I have to like look at it sometimes and go like, but what's your life like? Mm. And my life day to day is tremendous. Yeah. I am surrounded by brilliant people who are like loving and interested and passionate and curious. And that's yeah. truly the community I've cultivated, kind and permissive and helpful. Um, they're doing inspiring work. They're funny. I get to exercise and my body functions. I get to eat delicious things. Every fucking day. Yeah. I'm living in, and I'm living in what I call one of the great cities of earth. Like Los Angeles is a fucking wonderful, magical yeah, place. It's so fun. If you don't live on a, a coastal city, if you feel trapped where you live, get to a fucking coastal city. It's yeah. like life changing. Or just like Pinterest some photos of it. We don't need your car <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, whatever, please. Traffic. Well, don't bring a car for sure. Just <laughs> yeah, Uber. It's cheaper awesome. anyway. Um, Lyft, actually. I don't Uber. Yeah, I don't Lyft. Uber. No Trump Uber. Supporters. Fuck off. Um, no, but I, I don't I don't know. Like that perspective thing that's so fucking corny. Yeah. But it is like, I don't know. I always think like like we think we're supposed to do something with our lives. Yeah. And uh I think it's a pretty magical thing just to be a beacon, just to just to be like a light. Like I've had other people come into my life and just their manner of being, their kindness, their positivity, they're yeah. like, Hey, it's gonna be okay is literally like a, a, a torch of flame that they put into me. Right. And seeing that ability to have it spread and vice versa you've had people be so fucking shitty and you're just like and it makes you shitty yeah just being able to spread that people to people like being trying to envision being a a little bit of flame to help feed other people's flames yeah man that's a fucking good life if you ask me yeah that's an accomplished life i don't know we but get then so don't weird. you always want more i always have that i uh, have that like i won't be happy until and then I get that thing. and Yeah. Then, I mean, that's just a, that's going to be a practice like, of inquiry for you, though, I feel yeah. like. Because that is part of the fucking lie that we're all given. I know. Frankly. And I don't know. I'm always like, I, I can't fucking control everything. I know you think you know about this stuff. doesn't like, help 
any of this, mm. social media. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't, well, it doesn't, it doesn't. Again, I think that's a perspective thing. I mm. think I've found a lot of positivity, a lot of community, a lot of like-minded individuals because of social media. It's just, it's just a matter of which voices do you allow to resonate with your internal ones yeah. or that just naturally do. Yeah. And of course the natural tendency, again, in our society, which is all about like telling you how it fuck up you are, keeping you locked down defiance as motivation or something like it's all awful it's as opposed to like support you know and being like you can do it and just fucking don't even worry about the fuck-ups like the negative voices are what resonate with us also i think as like funny people it's the the mean ones are so much funnier usually totally there's like fodder there someone just being nice to you is like i have to resist often like reposting or responding to negative things because it's funnier too but i don't want to energetically encourage that stuff oh absolutely it's so it's just Sometimes it's too good. It's too good. It's too good. It's too easy. But it is kind of like the low-hanging fruit of the comment section. It is. It's just... I just think the idea itself of somebody being at home and, and writing something mean is inherently so funny. Like, yeah. like in a weird way. Like Because guess what? I've been that bored. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and we've all had those thoughts. And I know like a lot of people are like, where do they find the time? It's like, uh, I've, I I've have like a couple of hours. I've got little piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Well, I actually do run myself through that sometimes too. Or I tell other people who get upset about comments or whatever oh, people. Oh, you can't get it's, upset about dude, it. of course not. But like, I, I'm, at first I'm like, have you ever left a comment on a YouTube video in your life? Right. And that number's rising. It's becoming more and more, you know, whatever yeah. people do that. But definitely, even if you have, you think like, what are the ratio of things I just see versus things that I leave a comment for? Right. And how about if I see something I really like, do I ever leave a comment? No, and if it's I like see- the Yelp complex. Yeah. So like yeah, there's yeah, no positive yeah. reviews on Yelp unless there's an incentive to leave a positive review on Yelp. I think that's a little bit true. It's, it's That word incentive is super fucked up. It's like everything in our society is incentivized. Mm. And, and when you really believe that about people, that the only way you can motivate and you teach them to think that about themselves is that an outside thing has to motivate us. Yeah. You, I mean, I think that's a lie. I think that is something we're taught and we accept and we're going like, yeah, why would I do anything if not? Yeah. But is fucking a lot. Like you just said, like you don't really know how you ended up doing this thing that is directly fucking with your deepest emotional and mental difficulties, anxiety and stuff like that. But like you do it because you love it. Yeah. There's an intrinsic reason we do things. You didn't do it because you'd make a lot of money. That No one fucking does comedy or entertainment or anything for that because you can't, that doesn't happen. Well, I think a lot of people start out being like, I'm going to be rich and famous. And then you're like, oh, wait, this isn't the 40s. Like, yeah, this no, is a totally. different beast. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. So, so the idea that humans can't be intrinsically motivated, that they need some incentive mm-hmm. is gross. And I think like as soon as you start removing the idea of incentive and start going like, well, what do I want? What's my internal compass say? And let me get in touch with that. Yeah. Things start to change a lot. I completely agree. The walkthrough fear thing you said I wanted to come back to because I think that's like very empowering. Like I think it's very fucking empowering. And again, with the body stuff and the idea of ego and who we are to say like you do get to make choices about who and how you are. Mm -hmm. And I remember being a little kid and thinking because of fantasy books I read and heroes I read in those books, I like I want to be a brave person. Scared all the fucking time. Scared every day of my life leaving the house. Just scared. Yeah. I mean like, well, what would be a brave? What's brave? And literally logically going like, well, I'll make rules about it. A brave person, when something scary is there, does it anyway. Yeah. And I just started doing that. Yeah. And man, that's morality is a fucking hard thing when you hold yourself internally to it. Yeah. Because then whenever you're in like a moral problem, like you're in a situation, if you've set rules in your head and you go like, well, the kind of person I've said I am is the kind that's got to say something now. And it's really awkward. I don't want to speak up about this situation. It scares the fuck out of me. But I told myself I'm going to be a brave person. I'm going to stand for these principles. 
Now is where you get to decide. So do you think you have more accountability when you tell yourself or when you tell somebody else? Like as a kid, were you like, I'm going to be brave and you told like your brothers and sisters or is it just like an internal conversation? Totally internal, I think. So you think like you have more accountability when you just tell yourself as opposed to like announcing? I think if I make things too external, yeah. then it's a very obvious that I don't really mean it. Got it. I, I, I think I said this on the other things, but I truly believe true change is quiet. Mm. Like oh, true yeah. decision making, true like is... People who are like, I'm doing this, I'm quitting this, I'm doing this challenge. Oh, blah, yeah, blah. yeah. No, I don't mean like announcing it to Facebook. I just mean like... No, but I think even in microcosm. Yeah. Making it external. I'm going to do this. Sometimes it helps. Yeah. Definitely like having siblings I'm and stuff. I'm a vegan now. Yeah, I'm a vegan. <laughs> I think it does help to like... And, and it's important to recognize what does your social circle do when you do announce you want to try to right. change something? Do they go like, oh, okay, and try to order you drinks anyway or try to like be like, you know, just have a fucking burger with me or whatever. Yeah. That's garbage. Like people but should be it's supportive. Also, you have to take responsibility because like how many times have you backed out of something? Like if, if yeah. you're trying not to drink and you've like tried not to drink 25 times leading up to that, assuming you don't have like a true problem with it, your friends yeah. are like, they're just leading from example. Yeah. I, yes. I think there needs to be, again, this gets in this gray area of like the idea of allowance because yeah. allowance is both a personal thing, which I think we should offer, we should proffer allowance for each other and say like, you know what? This is the 27th time you've tried. All right, man, for real, this time I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a negative voice in your life. Yeah. I'm going to encourage you this time. Maybe this will, because I've had to fail at things sometimes dozens of times. Sure. Also, we should have allowance for the humanity of our friends who know us to go like, okay, you know, yes. yeah. and say like, and maybe say to them if it does fuck you up and go like, Hey, I get it. I know I've fucked up a lot. I know who I am. I'm really trying again. And when you say shit like that, it's tough. It makes it tougher. Like, cause, cause I want to like. Because the stakes are raised. The stakes are raised, and also it starts to trigger all these other insecurities of like, oh, you're gonna judge me? Well, fuck you. I'm you're I'm not gonna do it. And weirdly, you end up doing exactly what they want as a way of defying yeah. them. You know what's the fucking point? I am a fucking failure. Whatever. Yeah. You know, I think it's important to be able to communicate that. And if your friends don't come back and go like, oh, all right, I'm sorry about that, then you should look at that and and think how are people putting their toxicity on you? Yeah. But. You also need to allow, like, people aren't trying to be, you can't just quietly stew and be like, nobody even supports me, I'm trying to change my life, blah, blah, blah. And the truth is, most people aren't thinking about you as much as you're thinking about you. That is definitely You know what I mean? Self-obsession is a growing epidemic, and it's just like, you've got to remember, nobody gives a fuck what you're doing. Nobody cares. Drink, don't drink. The only time drinking, I think, and I I do drink, and I don't have a problem with it, but I don't know why I keep coming back to this, but like... It's like it's just a good example. I, I agree. We should clarify. I should say we were talking about this before we started. I have stopped drinking this year, not in like a program like sobriety thing. Yeah, but if I you just, do have a problem, you should get into a program. Yeah, I just felt like I was doing it too much. Well, this is you were saying. What did you say earlier? There was something about the. It was like this idea of are you doing something compulsively, self medicating? You were talking yeah. about your dad working out too much, yeah, or something like that. Like anything can become a compulsive behavior. Yeah, and. It's weird because a lot of self-improvement behaviors are things that change your chemical experience. Mm-hmm. They, you get dopamine, you get serotonin, something, and you have to be able to look at anything that's affecting your brain chemistry that you're choosing to do. You have to go like, am I doing this to self-improve or is this an, uh, something help else? Help or hinder. Yeah. Yeah. Help. Yes, help. Ooh, my friend said about drugs. They were like, they, they said, uh, they were like, I endorse the drugs that help you face your problems. I do not endorse the drugs that help you run away from them. That's interesting. 
Yes. Yeah, that's a very like spiritual mentality. That's like very anti-cocaine, very pro-mushrooms. That's correct. Yeah. That's exactly what I read it as. Yeah, I'm like, I, okay. And I was like, where's weed Where's tree? weed in this? Yeah, I was exactly. like, mm, it's a little bit of a gray area there. And it's different for everybody. No drug has ever helped me face a problem. Truly? Yeah. Not even alcohol? Mm, I like drinking because I think it's fun. Uh-huh. But I don't think, I never like, I've never woken up from a night of drinking or even having like two glasses of wine and been like, yes. Good on you, Tracy. Interesting, really? Yeah. I have in the sense of like, I truly think the greatest thing we can do together is just break bread, eat and drink together and yeah. celebrate. Like okay, congregate. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You know what That's I mean? in that sense of like building community. I have the, I have like images of just toasting together and yeah. I have beautiful memories that were like correct. Okay, I take it back. I do I do enjoy okay. that, but I I just was taking it as like yes. facing your fears. I mean even us, like, we we've had like uh afternoon rose hangs that are so like nice. magical. Yeah. So nice. Tequila shots before a shoot. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like all that stuff so fresh in my mind. Yeah. I just realized that I had gotten to a place where it wasn't a celebratory. It was very escapist. And it was just so casually done. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd sit like, I'm going to write now. And over an evening of writing, you'd kill like three quarters of a bottle of scotch and not even feel drunk. And be yeah. like, what? The, what? And yeah. that becoming regular. Was like you're gonna get so hammered when you start drinking again. I definitely am. That's cool. definitely true. But it's uh, I will say I just feel better, man. Totally. I just feel, my I, your body starts processing inflammatories a lot worse as you get older. Yeah. And oh god, yeah. I stopped drinking for like two weeks, maybe, and I was like happier. Mm-hmm. You know. But then also like I don't like going out with my friends and like I don't I like do like a lot of like, dinner stuff. I don't like being in those situations and not drinking. That's fair. You know? I, I have I in the past felt that way. I felt like really fucking like, oh, I want to drink so yeah. bad. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, I have this time around for whatever reason, it's been easy. Like That's super great. Fucking well, that easy. means it's right. Well, and also I've realized I, I have not, <laughs> I think in the past, maybe some of the groups of friends I was hanging out with like weren't people I could not drink around. You had to be like a little hammer to hang out. Yeah. yeah Give I us something it. to do. We're doing good. We're both They're drinking we're friends. Yeah. Having fun, right? Us? Yeah. This, I mean, we're like... Damn, we're deep in it. I Dude, should probably get to the... Uh, 2019. Little... This is crazy. Okay. All right. Let me get to my question okay. section because this is like... I think we should start wrapping this up. I mean, I could really do this a long, long fucking time. Can I just say one more thing that I have a problem with that maybe you can articulate for me okay. a little bit better? I struggle with the idea of letting it come to you mm. versus working really fucking hard and pushing down every single door like what's your line of thinking about that like would you do you think it's something that should just like be naturally like if it if it doesn't flow to you then it's not meant to flow to you i think this is a paradox thing this is like again you just have to be comfortable with this this paradox which is uh your perception is your reality like whichever one you want no definitely not that because there is some level of like i mean I think the biggest lessons of this kind of stuff to me come from like jujitsu and okay, things like that. Okay. And uh, like I'll just jump to jujitsu metaphors, I guess, because they're easy for me. Where a nice thing you learn about jujitsu, other bullshit martial arts, or when you're a kid or you watch movies and you get this idea of like fighting or whatever, yeah, you learn like, oh, my technique will always defeat whatever. Like, and when you do jujitsu, which is like wrestling, but the goal is to get somebody <laughs> to tap out. So yeah. it's like not even just to pin them, which is like if you get pinned, you can always be like, well, maybe I'd scratch his eyes out or do something. I could get out if I really wanted to. Truly being helpless, fucking helpless. Someone's going to choke you out. You're like, if this is the jungle, I'm dead. Yeah, Literally yeah. nothing I can do. Yeah. The first time that happens is the beginning of a wonderful journey into like what being helpless is. Oh, fucking no. You died. You just died, dude. 
that's what that's like. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how strong you are or how blah, 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 whatever. Whatever you've done up into your life till this moment right now where you're getting choked out is all nothing. Yeah. And I, you could look at moments of that and then extrapolate and go like, okay, so I'm going to die one day or I'm going to fail, like letting mm-hmm. things come to me. It, it might not happen. And go like, so what if it never happens? Does that mean you shouldn't have lived the life you lived? You should have never tried? And looking internally for like letting things come to you versus kicking down every fucking door, to me, that just becomes like, well, what's going to make you feel good? Okay. If you get to the end of your trying and you, my mom said this thing, unearned money is joyless, um, which is a whole nother bag of worms, yeah, I think. I, but disagree. I, I agree. I disagree. <laughs> but I think the idea is is valid. She's like, is, so no, I'm not paying your rent. Well, which is, no, well, which is, no, well, there's parts of that. But the to me, it's saying like intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation again. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, I, uh, or viral videos, how about we use that? Yeah. I've had videos that you make, you shit out, you don't even think about it, and they're super fucking successful. People laugh at them, everybody passes them, blah, blah, whatever. You pour your heart and soul into something else that you love, you try to make something that's important to you, blah, blah, blah. Nobody Seven fucking people. cares. Yes. So you say to yourself, how am I supposed to feel about this? I still love this one more. I still think this one's better, even though no one saw it. The success or not doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. So letting things come to you versus not, I think you just, again, have to like really stop thinking you can control the outcome of anything. And just do what you love. And do or- what you love as best as you can yeah. is, I think, the next part of it. Oh, that's something I'm working on so hard right yeah. now is everything I do trying to do it to my fullest. Like even being in conversations and not trying to be on my phone, like being as right. present and like with it as humanly possible. That's I, well, hard. Well, and this to me gets into this idea of this is the problem with our being raised with uh, notions of binary systems mm-hmm. which makes sense it's yeah. hot or it's cold it's right or it's wrong whatever it's it's left or it's right but it's so fucking dumb because there's something intrinsic that talks about meritocracy or something and says like if you get something you deserved it and really believing that is unfortunate because then you think when you don't get things you deserved it or when somebody just had life fuck them over and over and over again and they have mental problems and drug problems and nothing and then they're homeless, there's something in your brain that goes, oh, well, they must have done something to deserve that. And that's not true. Right. Like things fucking happen to people sometimes and there's nothing you can do but about it. But then there's also that school of thought of like, what are you doing to bring this into your life? I think, but but so I would say, okay, so... Logically, if you run that one out, then your binary brain says, oh, well, if I can't control the outcome at all, then why even right, try? Right, 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 But that's a bullshit thing because why even try is an intrinsic thing. Right. It feels fucking right. It feels like how are you going to feel at the end of it when you didn't fucking try? I think being able to hold that balance of saying when you've received something, as another Kung Fu teacher lesson, I guess, as he used to tell me about winning and losing. He's like, he's like cultivated an attitude of no big deal. Win no big deal, lose no big deal. Like that, that detachment concept because you can't attach yourself to the, the reality of things that happen. If a bomb falls out of the sky tomorrow because our billionaire warlords decide that they don't, they feel like continuing this pissing contest, did the billions of people in the world who are just trying to live their lives do something wrong for that? No, but maybe if you were a little bit more positive, you would have found shelter. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. See, that's so silly. Yeah. It's so silly when you put it into like extremes. But then it's also that like, it reminds me of that mentality of like live every day like it's your last 
You know, which because like you never know what's gonna happen, but like you can't live every day like it's your last. You cannot. Yeah, that's you cannot absurd. eat that much pasta. Like, that's and right. nobody wants to talk to their mom that much. Like, you just can't. Right. You can't. I don't know. I struggle with that whole. I struggle with all of that. Well, you have so anxiety. Much. I do about this. Well, th- I, this is. I really think that kind of anxiety, that struggle to comprehend, yeah. once you acknowledge that that's impossible, yeah. and that things just defy each other, it is both intensely valuable and rewarding and enriching and correct morally to try your fucking hardest at what you love to respect the things you love to want to care for them to respect and want to care for yourself to be the most you thing the most light and good thing you can be in the universe if you're gonna fucking make a sandwich try to make a beautiful fucking sandwich and also to understand the idea of beautiful isn't perfect. Yeah. Sometimes a little garbage sandwich put together is correct. Yeah. This idea, I mean, you know, American Idol has ruined uh, pop music because now we think every uh, popular music voice is supposed to be perfect and now they all sound the same, you know? Like what, like voices of the seven, like Mama Cass sounds very different from fucking uh, Fleetwood Kelly Mac, Carson. you know, or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But like everybody sounds the same now. And that's because we got this idea of perfect, note perfect, pitch perfect, auto-tune. That's what's beautiful. That's what's good, which is just, you know, silly. So, that, so like, this idea of, you like... you got to stop listening to Kiss FM, Jared. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, doing your best. Yeah. You don't know what that's going to look like moment to moment. Yeah. If I... My best... If I, I tore my rotator cuff last year, my best with a torn rotator cuff is different than my best with a working shoulder. Yeah. Do I feel... I feel better about the things that I did with the Toro rotator cuff and going like I did my fucking bet I you know that's this is more of my Navy SEAL bullshit the things that are like fun to think about I thought of earlier and I don't think I came around to the end of the thought is is like a moral failure a, an internal knowledge that my will failed that I quit mm-hmm. is something I will never be okay with mm-hmm but a knowledge that it wasn't my, I just did everything I could and my body broke. This like Navy SEAL guy wrote some book, I forget what it was, but was talking about how, how you would pray for an injury. You'd be like, please fucking take me out of this run because yeah. I can't quit. Please body quit yeah. on me so I can stop. And then if your body was just like, nope, sorry, still got something, yeah. you'd, you'd finish. And that is beautiful to me. Yeah. You know, somebody truly like, we all have limitations. Yeah. Failing isn't a big deal. I think doing your best is. I agree. And, and, you know, and then that gets meta too, because if you failed at doing your best, that's fine also. Yeah. And then also like, what are your limits? Like, how do you know if that's, how do you know if you peaked or like, how do you know if you did everything you could? You fucking can't accept for an internal compass that you have to answer to, which again is like the lie of incentive. Your intrinsic feelings about a thing are always going to be the most important ones and the ones you have to hold yourself to. Uh, This comes back to the PC thing. You can tell if somebody feels like they're trying to change the language because they don't want to get in trouble and now they're apologizing because they have to and they resent it and actually maybe this PC thing is going too far or whatever. And you can also, and, and I think we should allow space to also tell when someone's fucking trying. Yeah. You know, the trying is what makes somebody good or not, I believe. Earnest internal yeah. trying. Yeah. But also there's this other thing of like, if you just keep trying and not going anywhere, change your approach. I definitely think that's true. Yeah. Like, it's sad to I'm watch. Not, I'm not going to blame anybody. For, I'm not going to blame anybody to bang banging their heads against the wall. I'm just not going to. Yeah. Some people choose to do that. But I think you should. I think that's a form of self-hatred. I do think you should become aware. Yeah. And, and also, don't continue joyless practices. Mm-hmm. If you're happy pursuing something that's never seeing dividends, 
but the practice of it brings you joy, fucking do oh, that your yeah, whole fucking your, life. Yeah, absolutely. But you but need it, to know. You need to know what your outcome is. You need to know what you want. You need to know if you're chasing a fucking dragon, man. Yeah. Which is real. That, yeah. If you're doing a compulsive behavior because it's too hard to be with yourself, you better start to get with yourself. Totally. Anyway, this all comes back around, I guess, to the babe thing to yeah, me. It, was that with this all started was babe, babe. Yeah. And people, and something I think is so funny in, in the internet is people's need to know. Yeah. Are they dating? Yeah. Or is they, are you gay or straight? Yeah. What is it? And it's like, hey, why do you need to know? What's important to you about that? Like, yeah. why is that so fucking important? And I don't know. I think there's something, and that that's might be silly to say. This might be like, but but I do think it's really weird when people go like to get in arguments. This against my, I get that. Like, is this true or nothing? When they argue about anything like that, like moral correctness about about just choices individually people make or associate relationships or associations with each other, whatever, it's just like. Why is that important to you? Yeah, I completely agree. But it's also like you got to realize, I think it's a life a lot of people wish they had. Not our life in particular. Our <laughs> life, our wonderful life. You know, but it's like being in the public eye in any capacity is, you know, those who cannot internet comment, right? I guess. I, I think, yeah. And I mean, I guess I'm not ignorant of the fact Ooh, that, that we... that was a good line. Those who that those cannot, who cannot internet, internet comment? Oh, I came up with Look a really dumb on one. Today. I, I came up with a really stupid one, like uh, you know, those who cannot do uh, teach, and those who you didn't come up with that. No, not that. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's it's an addendum. Those who cannot do teach, and then you go, but those who do cannot not teach, or something like that. I'm really fucking terrible, actually. Mine's um, better. Yours is way better. Uh, I, I I'm not ignorant. I guess also that we become sort of fictional characters, which I'm not going to go down this like rabbit hole of like I've been thinking a lot about like objectification versus like artifactification, like when things and and the like dehumanization of other human beings that we can't help, and then the and like how narrative comes in and swoops in, and this like ghost of narrative is pop puppeting us around, and mm. and that we become like characters in other people's stories. Is, yeah, oh, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. So I'm aware of that too, and that's part of the fun of like, are they dating? Or are they not dating? Or whatever? Are they gay or straight? Are they whatever? Yeah. Who who are they? Blah blah. Are they on drugs? Or are they not? Like I think that's all just fun and part of that story. And I so like I get it. that because I fucking love nasty drama, yeah. but. But I do think there is a, a detachment question of like, why is it important to you to know? Right. Babe. 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 Okay. This has been long. I'm not going to cut much of this. I really like it. Good. I don't think you should. Probably none of it. But we are going to move into the question segment. The The irony of my conclusion segment is okay. I'm calling it six quick cues. Okay. That, um, you know, maybe... maybe aren't so quick. Oh. <laughs> we'll see how quick they are. I sent some of them to you earlier, but let's... Uh, okay. So here we go. Six quick cues. The first one is uh, talking about practice. Okay. Do you have any consistent practices these days? Primarily physical, but then if not that, and yeah. or mental, emotional. I mean, um, I spin, I cycle almost every day, which I think is a great physical practice, and I think it's a great mental practice, to the point where this week I've been like, I think I spin too much. I think my body like tapped out. like It doesn't yeah. do anything for me. And I started doing yoga since... I got a really bad shoulder in um, last year, mm. and then since Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving, I've been doing yoga like maybe like four times a week, and my shoulder really? hasn't like fucked up since then. That's wonderful. It's amazing. Yoga is a truly healing practice. Yoga is insanely hard for me mentally. Like physically, mm-hmm. I'm pretty good at it. Mentally, it's really tricky. A lot of people say that, 
I will, yeah. I'm gonna full disclosure. I have a lot of yoga experience. Yeah, you're my, very, we've taken a couple of yoga classes together. You're yeah. very fucking bendy. Uh, I don't do it that often, even. It's just kind of there. I yeah. do like my own stretching practice, but I grew up with my mom, and so there's a lot of. Uh, my mom's been doing it since I was a little kid, so there's kind of like a lot of thoughts about yoga in the popular yeah. eye, and I have some like judgments, obviously, about like the commercialization of sure. yoga. It's just it's an ironic it, it's a thing that doesn't the principles of yoga don't flourish under capitalism, and so like yoga works on these things, big oh, business, they're all yeah. starting to fail and stuff because you're like, oh, what, you can't, oh my god, what a crazy concept that like this thing, yoga, this the thing about teaching you that you're enough. It's not about poses, it's not about bends, it's yeah. about it's about your body being well and being well with yourself oh my god yeah and everybody's like grab your four pound weights and we'll meet in warrior two (laughs) yeah it's like like, oh oh that doesn't jive with uh something about like self-improvement you're never fucking enough you're gonna get someplace you know that being said um it is one of those things that if you do it will heal your body and will keep you well forever but getting away from that part more to what you're saying i always say that people sometimes people are like "Ah, i just can't do yoga it's too slow it's too like and I'm and I'm always like, hey, not to be fucking corny, but you should do yoga. Yeah, it's scary to like really sit scary. with your own head. I love it though. Like after the first like two weeks, then I was like, okay, cool. Because and the other thing that I do that's not physical but is journal. Like I journal every morning for like forty minutes. Really? My favorite thing of my day is I wake up at like six and like make a cup of, Holy cup of coffee shit. and I just like sit and like what time write. You go to bed. Like eight. <laughs> wow. No, You're I go a to bed person. at like ten. You're but a morning I, person. I love the morning. Mornings are very good. I always love them when I have them, but oh. they feel like a treat, you know? Yeah. I, I, it, I always have that thought where I'm like, it's just because I, 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 my brain is is like never wants to go to sleep. I still, really? I still have like a little kid thing of like, if I'm awake, I'm not going to bed. I don't know why. Yeah. It's like, well, there's cotton candy to be had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's that cartoons is, to watch. I do have a cotton candy machine <laughs> in my house. Candy floss. <laughs> All right, those are good. Do you feel like the yoga and the, the writing stuff like is helping with the anxiety thing you're talking mm-hmm. about? I've been a journaler forever, so I don't know if that helps or not. It's just like nice to like, and I have terrible handwriting and I'm a bad speller. So like I look at my old journals and I'm like, huh? Like, Are there things that you plan to use for stuff like stories or jokes? No, or it's just like thoughts about my day, dreams I had, things I want to get accomplished. You're like debriefing with yourself. Goals. Yeah, it's just kind of, it's a check-in. And then at the beginning of every month, I, um write a letter to myself acting as if it was the end of the month saying everything I wanted to like being like hey Tracy April was fantastic oh. you accomplished this this and this can you believe that you got a, like you were so nice to I, your I think husband. that's really fucking great yeah it's it's very helpful like treating yourself like as a person outside of yourself yeah. is a because everybody has this thing where you're like um, I would never allow most of us would not allow someone to talk to our friends the way, the way we, we talk, talk to ourselves and that's a constant thing for me I'm so mean to myself and I try I don't even try that hard not to be but I do feel like when I sit down and write I'm never mean you know I'm never like fuck you how did you fuck this up it's always positive dude that to me self love I think is a hard thing for people to uh, comprehend because yeah. it sounds so arrogant it sounds so <laughs> anti-puritanical yeah. I'm the because because like it's not about that you don't do anything wrong. People you love, your, your brothers, your people you truly love, your bro- siblings, your family, loved ones who you truly love, your friends, doesn't mean that they don't do anything wrong. Oh, they're terrible people. It doesn't mean you just forgive fucking everything. I think people people think self-love means like limerence with oneself, like some passionate swept away like, oh, I can do no wrong, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, like self-love like, it is. is like, I'm just going to lay in bed and masturbate all day. Like, yeah, self-love like, is not fucking having a crush on yourself. No, no, self-love no, Self-love no. is like wanting yourself to be realized in the universe and wanting the best for yourself yeah. and encouraging yourself. And it's that whole mentality of like, put your oxygen, put your oxygen mask on first 
and then you can help other people. I it's think about that really hard constantly to help other people when you can't breathe. And I think if you don't love yourself and like pee, fuck, I guess it's like a constant struggle and it's a day to day practice and it's, it's a moment to moment practice to not tear yourself down internally. But if you're shitty, you can't help anybody else. And then like we Absolutely. have this constant cycle of like nobody helps anybody because we're so stuck in hating ourselves. That's right. And it becomes this trap. It's such a trap. I love that. All right. I'll ask you the next question now. Okay. Um, so you mean quick cues, not very quick. Uh, oh, this is very pertinent to the hypocrites about uh, what's something that's cheesy as fuck that actually inspires you? Um, I was reading Amy Poehler's book, mm-hmm. Yes, Please, and she has this quote that says, you never look stupid when you're having fun. And that's it's good. so cheesy, but it's like, and not that looking stupid is a huge fear of mine, but like... It's scary. It's scary to look yeah. dumb. But if you dance and you're the only person dancing on the dance floor, but you're owning it and you're having mm-hmm. so much fun, there's no, no. there's no failure. People want to join you. Yeah. People want to join you. I, I think that like being weird, being stupid, I think has weirdly become part of like my personal, like unconscious life yeah. mission and beliefs because my family, a, a failing I have as mm-hmm. I probably experienced in this is, uh, asking people questions, inviting them to talk or whatever in a conversation because my family is so performative and so demonstrative that we were raised in this way that you just kind of, it's a, it's a expression by example where you're like, I'm this way and this is what I'm going through and it's so raw and honest. That means you can do that too. Now you go. Yeah. And you never say now you go. You kind of just go like, all right, well, since you presented all that, here's all of mine. Yeah. But I really think by being weird in the world, by being strange, by being um, shameless, yeah. not guiltless. Guilt is valuable, I think. That's another issue. But shameless, not like mm, so scared well, of not apologizing for your quirks. Yes. Yeah. And not apologetic for existing. Right. Or being weird or anything. Right. Like, I think that can truly, like, it creates allowance, it creates space and permission for other people to be yeah. whatever they are. Yeah. And it's like when you, when somebody watches you judge yourself, it gives them permission to judge you. And then it's just like, then yes. it's that, that awful cycle. So I just think like if you could just, I mean, dancing is a stupid thing, but like if you just like dance and like smile and have fun, and even if you feel like a fucking weirdo and you feel terrible mm-hmm. and it feels stupid, if you just like own it for a little while, if you own it past the point of discomfort, then it becomes mm-hmm. fun. That, um, that's like embarrassed things. Whenever people ask you like, what's the most embarrassing thing that ever happened? I can never think of stuff. Me either. And I realized it's because embarrassing, the idea of embarrassment is its own self-perpetuating right. thing. Right, You, you are, and people feel embarrassed for you when you feel embarrassed. A hundred percent. You know? Yeah. So I can't, it's like hard for me to think of times when I was like, because I guess there's just a thing where I'm like, I'm just a messy fucking human. If I fuck up or do something embarrassing, I'm just yeah. like, I'm just being a person. I don't know. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. Being embarrassed is a tough one. Like the pressure of those cool people who like pick out toilet paper or shit in the morning, the pressure of being that all the time and being like, you're never gonna have a messy butthole that you got to hide that forever. I know. How do you do that? It's a lot of work. It's a lot of, it's a lot of duvets. What's it called when the butt thing cleans your butt? A bidet. A bidet. I'm not, I don't know why I said like bidet. A bidet. Happy bidet. <laughs> Happy bidet. A duvet is a cover that you get. At That's correct. Beyond, right? Don't wash your ass with that. Well, just that once. Mm-hmm. Time. All right. That was a good one. What was it? Say it one more time. You never look stupid when you're having fun. Fuck yeah. All right. This is my goth question. Okay. What's something dark about you? Oh, yeah. I was, you sent me that one before and you're like, if you don't want to answer, that's okay. And I do want to answer it. I just don't know how to answer it. What's something dark about me? I think, um, 
I've never cheated on anybody, but I think monogamy is really hard. And I think that's a dark thing to say, like as a yeah. woman in a relationship, like I think, I think monogamy is a tough concept to grasp. Yes. And again, like I've never like cheated and right. I've never. No, I don't think that's an omission of cheating. I think that's uh, yeah. humanity. But I just, I don't think a lot of people talk about how hard it is. I agree. I think that's yeah. true. And I think people, I think divorce is high because we don't articulate that that thing in us and I think uh it's become very shamed to cheat or like to go outside of your relationship to get your needs met in different ways Mm -hmm. and I think that's shitty but I also think it's people think it's shitty that I think that I that's so interesting I somebody okay I heard somebody literally in my suggestions when I asked for people to suggest topics to talk about someone did present me with this story of something that happened to them yeah that I think is fucking incredible it's like a it's a real real good they had dated somebody on tinder a couple times yeah and after several dates which i feel like when someone says like we went on a few dates that means they like fucked a few times twice yeah uh they they find out that this guy had a girlfriend Mm -hmm. never told her about cheated on his girlfriend and when confronted about it or whatever he he said um i was doing something for myself because the last year of the relationship's been so hard on me and that is so fucking grotesque. That is such a twisting of the idea of self-love, <laughs> self-care. Because the idea like, because what you've done is you made like this idea of go out of your relationship to meet, uh, meet your needs. Like there is nothing wrong with that. There is something wrong with the objectification, the creating of other beings as pawns in your weird little thing. And I also think cheating, the, the, the thing about cheating, I think that's valid as, as a shameful, as a bad thing to do, isn't the part about you want to fuck other people or like there's other things you want to experience in your life. I think that's something that people should be able to talk about. It is a human experience. Right. You're, not, you're only going to do this merry round one fucking time, right, right, at least right. in this body. Like right. it's crazy to think that you wouldn't want to try some wacky shit out. Right. The, the thing that is... Uh, bad about these things is removing the agency and humanity of the beings involved. So either the tokenization of the objects you're going to fuck as like just things to meet your needs. I'm going to go on this fling. Somebody else is there for a dating experience and you're just like, oh, I was just doing something for me. That's why communication is like so key. Right. But the other thing too is that is the cheating part is the problem in the dishonesty. I don't think it's even the dishonesty. Mm-hmm. It's that you, by not telling somebody else that you're doing this or feeling this way or you need to do this for yourself or want to, you're taking their consent away because they understand you and your dynamic as one thing. And now without telling them, without changing them or alerting them to the situation, this is something I had to learn because I was dishonest about stuff in past relationships for fucking for sure. Yeah. And in my mind, my twisted ass mind, because I don't think anybody does things that are actively hurtful or mean. In yeah. my mind, I was like, oh, I'm keeping it better. I'm, I'm keeping the peace here. Like there's no reason to create drama where there's not. And I didn't mean anything by it with my flirt or my yeah. little dalliance or we were broken up or whatever. So I would just like leave it in the dark. Instead of being like, hey, full disclosure, you should, you're should you a big grown-up person and you'll love me or not based yeah. on this information, but you deserve to know it. That's the important part in cheating is like if I just go behind closed doors and do something, don't tell you about it, and you assume we have a monogamous thing, not even bringing into like, oh, the danger that I'm putting at risk right. of with diseases or whatever, but also just like you think of me as a different kind of person than I am. Right, it's selfish. It's selfish, but it's also, I truly think of it as a consent issue. Like, you understand our social contract of like, I like fucking you because I like the kind of person you are because I like the bond we have that is ours and that's important to me and I don't want anybody else to have it. 
not saying that, that there's a moral correctness or not to that. Yeah. But it is, you do deserve to know if like, I'm actually fucking other people too because I want that. And if I don't tell you that, you are being with me predicated on thinking I'm somebody else. It would be, it's like, it would be like, well, it would be like wearing a mask and then pretending you're somebody else to fuck somebody and they assume that you're that person in the mask. Yeah. You're basically raping them because they think you're somebody else, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I think relationships are not black and white. I think we're people that are like growing and changing. And I think if you've been for with sure. somebody for more than two years, like you're a completely different person than you were two years ago. Uh, maybe not completely, yeah. but your elements of your personality have definitely changed. Yeah. And oh, I want to be clear. I don't think cheating in terms of like lust, curiosity, personal fulfillment, just sheer, just I want to do itness or whatever. Yeah. None of that's wrong. To me, right, right. I think cheat. I think dishonesty. Dishonesty is, is tough. It's tough when one person's on one page and somebody else has already finished yes. the book. Like that's like Ooh, when that's it gets, very good. That's when it gets like really dirty and gross, and and it just doesn't feel right on any level. But I no. also think there's this other element of like, uh, don't you know, like in like twelve step programs, they say like you know, make apologies unless of course it's going to like hurt somebody. They say it more. What they, Oh, I have a great one. They say, um, honesty without compassion is aggression. Oh, a hundred percent. But they, uh, yes, God, fuck yes. But it's also like apologize to people unless it's going to hurt them. Does that make sense? It's like the fifth oh, step. Oh, yes, yes. But that is that is different for sure from... Well, it kind of is like a let the sleeping dogs lie. That's right. And me. I think letting sleeping dogs lie is correct. Yeah. But there are no sleeping dogs if you're if you're leaving to go fuck somebody and they don't think you are and don't know that's part of your life. Yeah. I think then... And that is the little moral... Qualm. Gray area, yeah, yeah. That, that, that allows you to get away with that dishonesty where you go like... Well, it's just going to hurt. I mean, it wasn't a big deal. It didn't mean anything to me emotionally. I just wanted to fucking come. It's not a big deal. Right. (laughs) You know? And it's easy to go down that road and be like, it'll hurt them so much if they know. And I'm going to... Now you're taking their agency away. Sorry, but they deserve to know. You might be right. They might be fucking devastated. And it might... And and you might want to then go like, well, you just have attachment issues. and, And it's not what you think it means and all that stuff. But you have to acknowledge that other people have their experience. Yeah. Yeah, but I also think you can like twist it in your mind. And again, like I don't, I've never cheated, so I can't like speak to this super intelligently. But I also think like your perception's your reality and you can warp your perception so hard and construct your reality to whatever the fuck you want. Like I had a good friend who was cheating on somebody for a long time and like just listening to her talk about like the excuses and like the the world that she built. Where it was okay. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And it was like, well, it's okay. You know what I mean? Like, fine. Like that's you. It's so clear in your head that this is the right thing for you. Who am Mm -hmm. I to be like, no, no, no. But his feeling, you know? Right. So I I, I I hope I don't. Well, I I also think, I mean, okay. So the dark thing to me that is possible. There's one thing if, man, we're fucked up. Creatures are like, we're fucked up creatures. But like. I think it's really fucked up if so. Some people, I think, do get off on the cheating, on the doing oh, something yeah. hurtful and secret, oh, and awful. that. That like to me, that. that's not okay. No. But if somebody's aware, I mean, I think like we have a lot of darkness. I also get why that's sexy. I think like doing yeah. fucked up things is kind of is fucking sexy, you know. But yeah. there's safe ways to explore that. Maybe like once or twice. But if that's like your your kink, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, I, I, yeah. I mean. I mean, truly, a sadist is somebody who gets off on hurting other people. And it's and it's like, there's ways to explore that. Right. But like, that doesn't necessarily have to mean 
physically hitting somebody or hurting yeah. them. It can also mean like you get off on creating painful situations. And man, that's just humans are just twisted. I, I think hope, that that I would have to be I answered. Don't have to like be confronted with this in my life. Like that's my hope. My hope is that like I have like an open and like honest yeah. talk before anything hits that level. Yes. You know what I mean? I just think the dark thing about me is that I'm willing to talk about it and I don't think a lot of people are. I agree with that. Or I think like a lot of people would like to talk about it but they're just like marriage. Yeah. Or like they start thinking of like polyamory and like guys named Jasper and exactly. then it becomes like fucking weird and gross. Like big and rings, a lot of turquoise wives. rings and yeah, shit. Pen, pendula, it's horrible. Pendulums, That's there's that fucking. Have you seen that thing on on? I think it's Chris Fleming. He's so funny and he does these like funny songs. And there's one about it goes. Uh, he's like, it's never who you want to be polyamorous. That's polyamorous. <laughs> and the whole song is it's true. So funny. That's really funny. All right, let's keep moving through our quick cues. Maybe they'll pick up the pace. I don't know. I'm sorry. Uh, what's something you thought was cool when you were younger, but is clearly now not cool at all? Fucking white bread. Hell, oh, that's a good answer. Sure. Yeah. White bread is tasty. White bread you mean is like Wonder Bread. So, oh, so good. Even wheat bread. Bread's so fucking Bread good. and je- gluten. Oh my God, I'm so into it. Gluten. Mac and cheese. So fucking good, man. Dunkaroos. I, I, uh, anything Dunkaroos. with a package. You like those koalas? Yeah. Hockey things? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> so good. And you'd bite into them. They just like jizz chocolate. <laughs> if anybody was uh, doubting that we were little fat kids, they'd better know now. Oh, so craft <laughs> singles? Yeah. Forget it. Fuck, man. So craft singles cool. are so, Fucking American cheese is something that people don't talk about enough. It's, it's delicious. so good. It's amazing. You can get like a white American cheese too, like something that's like slightly less processed than the Vivian stuff that is still fucking Still amazing. really good, but there's nothing like peeling back Oof, the layers fuck, yeah. of plastic in waste a packaging give me oh, that please oh my god don't even recycle please. it <laughs> so good um all right and then uh okay here we go what's the last gorgeous thing that you saw i was driving home the other day on western and for those of you who don't know western and hollywood is like it's a rough intersection a lot yeah. of transient individuals, you know. Do you agree with that statement? Yeah, yeah. Where, where are you talking about Western and Hollywood? Uh huh. Yeah. And I was in really bad traffic, and I like sat at the light for like three go arounds, and I wasn't able to move. And there was this older woman up against a wall, like a homeless woman, mm-hmm. like a bigger, bigger African American lady sitting there, like a just a shopping cart full of stuff. Mm-hmm. So. So homeless, you know, like mm-hmm. when you, people are homeless, but then they're like people who are like so homeless and it's yeah. just, it's so sad and you can just like see the pain in mm-hmm. her eyes. And I was just sitting there like staring at her for a while. And then this other lady walks by with a shopping cart and a baby stroller and there was a kid in the baby stroller and passes her, like passes her by with the stroller. And then like, I see the lady with the stroller back up and mm. then go into her pockets and give her money mm-hmm. and it was just i like sat at this yeah. light and it just started like crying well that's really that's... uncontrollably because i was just like this is there was a there was a less homeless person helping a homeless both homeless both wow. had nothing but like to watch somebody give probably everything that they had to somebody who needed it a little bit more yeah that's, it like restored my faith in humanity. Yeah, you know, I think like 
it's like a fallacy of of morality or or whatever that we put in ourselves this whole idea of like trying to comfort people by saying other people have it worse or something like that yeah but the flip side to that is like don't be happy because somebody else has it better don't be happy because yeah when somebody's like don't complain because there's people out there who have it way worse right that's like somebody being like don't be happy because somebody has it so much better like you're allowed to be oh, ma- you're allowed yes. to be miserable. That's like, wonderful. Wherever you're at. Yes, I see what you're saying. Sorry, it took me like a second to wrap my head around that. Right? Yeah, just this idea that like, oh, you're not happy because other people have more than you, and you. That's really interesting. Yeah, but I do think that that is to the point of like, like dealing like that. Like every day, there's so much like impossible suffering that I do think we have to like allow ourselves to. It's like not wrong to like. Like it to me, it's hard to even like look too hard at the reality of I'm in my car and there are those people who are not in the car, and being like we're just so far apart. And I mean, some days it I feel like it it looks at like someone will ask for for change, and I know I have like eighty dollars in the fucking bank account, and I'm like I gotta buy some more gas today and hopefully get through a paycheck. I literally don't have like yeah. five dollars, you know. And I don't know, just everybody's where they're at. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, but. What you just described to me is like, have you, do you have, a, have you, do you grow up with like rich friends? I'll just say this. There's like memes that are like the difference between friends who grew up poor or don't have money or something like that, or still don't have money. will just like buy you dinner. Just don't think, ah, don't, it goes around, comes around. We kind of exchange. You don't think about it. And friends who like grow up rich will be like, oh, well you owe me $2.37 for the latte that we split, you yeah. know? Yeah. And there's a weird, like, I think people who have had money or any kind of outside reinforcement be an object that they associated with true value, mm-hmm. um, who it hasn't, hasn't had it fail them, hasn't had it tear apart their family yeah. or whatever for this dumb fucking imaginary thing. Yeah. Um, my dad I, is very successful, like in his, mm-hmm. give, and just to be clear, like he doesn't help me out. Like I'm not like a rich kid, you I know what it, I mean? Yeah. But, uh, he has this thing and he says, money flows to me, flows to me to go through me yeah. and he's like I'm just like the vessel to help people I mean people. well that's insanely woke I think that about love I think yeah. like like we are meant to be these in creativity and anything I think it all comes from outside and we're just yeah. meant to be like gutters like sluices yeah. that like we are supposed to just pass it through our vessel I love that it flows Completely. to me to go through and he's like the only reason I can constantly create money in my life is because I'm constantly giving it like you know what I mean mm-hmm. he's like and with no yes and not to like I have I have met some sources. people who have who have been the embodiment of what we hope we would be if we make a lot of money. Yes. And they're so inspiring to me. Yeah. Like, you know, things with like cryptocurrency or something. People just get getting suddenly have a lot of money. Yeah. And seeing them truly be like, so now I'm gonna give it away to all these people yeah, that I, I think I love that. It's so fucking beautiful. It's, it's so crazy. Great. And because that's what that's what I love about that like one person helping another person who both need help. Well, yes, you don't realize like either how much like a, a small thing will change someone's life. Yeah. Literally like, did you see that God's Plan video, the Drake video? I did, I cried. I cried so fucking I much. I cried so hard. You don't know a fucking grocery trip can change someone's life. I know. Like by getting somebody ahead of a month, it allows them to potentially plant the seeds for the dream that they really wanted to do. Like by getting them out of the rat race for just 30 days. I know. Like it makes a huge fucking difference. Just $200 worth of groceries changes somebody's life. Small, small kindnesses are so fucking underrated, bro. I love it. That video is one. And 
I was so mad at the beginning of that video because it was like we had what two million dollars. Yeah, he's like a million. I think it was like a million. Yeah, a million dollar budget for this music video that lives on Vimeo or Vivo. That does you know what I mean? Which is bananas to me that we're spending money on stuff like that. Yeah, I, that's true. I also appreciate that it get, makes, there's jabs, it makes jabs. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> I love but, entertainment when it's well-funded. Thank you. But you know what? But yes. That video no, also course. gave jobs, you know? It was way more effective. So I good. also think the other important lesson about like what you and witnessed. And you know Drake was like, oh, yeah, this yeah. so many totally. views. <laughs> Buying them views. I was going to say the last thing I think that's important to take away from what you said that's like maybe the, the universal truth that's inspiring is... We we are never so tapped out that we can't still help people. A hundred percent. And sometimes in our complete lack and brokenness, we we are we are like an example for someone else to be inspired by too, yeah. just by feeling not alone. Yeah, I agree. Like even if you have nothing, you have something to give. Yeah. And like the best, and again, like it's like a little self-serving because the whole like, I the idea of karma to me is so crazy. Like be nice to somebody because they might have something for you in the future. Like I hate that. Mm-hmm. But there is something to be said with like, if you feel shitty about yourself, go out and help somebody. Just fill somebody's parking meter. Fuck smile yes. Smile at somebody. Your whole Fuck universe yes. will change. I found, this is what I find... When I'm when I would get in depressive, bad fucking places, yeah. I would just constantly wait for someone to show up for me. Yeah. Where's somebody's gonna pull me out of this hole? Who's gonna stay? Never fucking works. Nobody shows up. Yeah. Because even the people that show up, you can't even feel them. Because your hole is so deep and it's so nothing will answer it. If you wait for people to show up for you, nothing happens. But if you show up for other people, yeah. works every time. But you know what? And even that but not with like a pay it forward mentality. No. Not because like you no. might need this someday. No. Just out of like just because Intrinsic. you want to help them. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. In showing up for others, this is like, to me, it gets into the self-care stuff. We'll get into it a little bit. Sometimes if you don't if you don't feel like worthy, if yeah. you don't... My brother and I were talking about like this thing with our D20 thing. We're like, feel good, look good. And we're like, should look good even be in there? And, and look good to me it becomes this thing of like, sometimes just taking care of your outside self and treating yourself as if you're a valuable thing that deserves to be like cleaned and and you know manicured and and looking it's well and taking care of by treating yourself as something valuable you remind yourself that you're valuable and start to feel that value again and then i do think you can do like a fake it till you make it you know doing something outward and that to me is showing up for other people Mm -hmm. is like you feel like you're worthless you feel like nobody gives a shit about you blah blah blah. well go give a shit about other people go show up for them and see if they don't care about you see if they don't appreciate that you exist and again it's not as a reward thing yeah it's something that you remind yourself of yeah by showing up you you go oh fuck man i me wallowing here yeah i just we're supposed to go out and do things yeah that's beautiful all right almost done oh yeah this is the last question you think farts are funny um, yeah, in the right context. That's it. That's just kind of my informal poll I want to take over and over. Yeah, me and my, like, I think my sister and I fart in front of each other and we both think it's that's so funny. So But funny. like, I think if you were to fart right now, I wouldn't think it was like that Yeah, funny. that's fair. I, I think that's correct. Okay. Um, that's my last thing, the self-care. Do you have a current or recent self-care practice to present? I mean, to be completely honest, I think self-care has become like a very trendy hashtag that is kind of bananas to mm-hmm. me like i like i think it's losing it's it, it's losing, it's losing it's, um, it's what it's supposed to mean for sure i mean to me like not eating uh, chocolate covered walnuts is self-care really? you know what i mean yeah like not not like 
not, not, not eating something you know is going to make you feel bad later. Totally. Or like just like being nice to myself is self-care or like going to bed at a reasonable hour is self-care. Or- well, the idea of restriction as responsibility and consideration as opposed to like we're all we're all told like indulgence don't have guilt over indulgence, which makes sense. Sure. That's probably a bigger problem in general. Yeah. Is like this weird ego problems about like, oh, I'm so bad because I ate a donut. Yeah. Stupid. Stupid. Wasted energy. Yeah. But I do think there is something to be said for like. Uh, a version of self-restriction that's not puritanical shame. Yeah, yeah. I just think self-care has become this thing of like, well, I get a massage on Mondays and I get my nails done on Tuesdays and then like if I want to work on Wednesdays, I do. Like to mm-hmm. me, like self-care is like, oh, I have 11 errands to run and if I don't run them all today, I'm not going to have time to do it tomorrow and it's going to make me crazy. Do all my errands. And right. then like it clears that mental space. Right. Right. Like that's just the day-to-day shit that will make me crazy at night. And like I won't do stuff mm-hmm. for a very long time and I know that sends me into like a weird spiral. Mm-hmm. Doing the stuff is self-care. Or like if I have nothing to do making plans and fulfilling those plans. You know what I mean? Like actually yeah. going out and doing something is self-care because I know... If I go to bed at night and I haven't like made any human interaction, it's terrible for me. It, right. I think self-care starts with knowing what your lowest point is and being at your lowest point and being like, I don't want to be here anymore. And then doing all the steps to not get there anymore. I don't think self-care is about, I mean, it can be interpreted as that, but like, I don't think self-care is about getting your hair blown out every day or like waxing your eyebrows or like, I, I think it's become like a very... Right spa day thing and I think it's more about doing the things that you need to do to make sure you're at peak condition to help other people Ooh, I like that you know and and to make sure you're at the peak condition to feel good about yourself when you go to bed damn right I love that Okay. All right, here's my very final thing. Okay. I have a thing I call the don't kill yourself list. Thanks. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Where in my darkest uh, part of my life, yeah. I was like, I started to just make lists of things that I think are really good to remind myself exist and are accessible and are just like part of life. And yeah. it started with coffee, sandwiches, and lavender soap. And they, those remain my oh. first three whenever I do a internal check and start going through things that are good. I think Oprah calls this a gratitude list. Really? <laughs> I think so. Well, I call it the don't kill yourself <laughs> list. Sorry, I like that. Oprah. So you get to add something to the Don't Kill Yourself list. Um, bulletproof coffee. Literally, that you just want to add the addendum of I bulletproof just, coffee. I just want to add um, butter. To, butter <laughs> to the Don't Kill Yourself Fuck list. Yeah, fucking, yeah. I'm so up with that. Um, I really like salmon these days. Oh yes. Yeah, some wild caught salmon. I think is mm-hmm, good. Mm-hmm. How do you do it? Um, I go to Whole Foods and I ask them to cook it for me. Do you really? They do a really good job on the grill thing. Yeah, that's so smart. It's so, and then your house doesn't smell like fish, and it's only like eight dollars. Oh, wow. Not eight dollars more. Eight dollars for the fish. Yes the best that's really cool yeah the the whole foods grill thing is something people don't know about that's really great Shh, don't tell them you can just the line is you can just go buy it don't do it guys no it's a lie day. it's a lie um and then what's another thing you don't have to do a ton of things one i time. have one more though okay go my mattress Ooh, what is it it's just nice i got it off groupon it's like a it's a foam pad mm-hmm. to go that goes on top of my mattress oh and every night that i lay in bed i'm so grateful that i have a comfortable bed Yes. You know? My mom told me like when I was a kid, she was like, spend money on linens and towels. Ooh. Like get good, yeah. good, good things, sleep in good things, dry yourself off with good things. I definitely think it's true about your bed. Like having a good fucking bed is yeah. real game changer. Yeah. My bed's something that makes me not want to jump off a bridge. Killer. Cool. All right. Well, I think that's, that's, we fucking. Babe. It's Babe, November. Went for it. We we went at least two hours. Yeah, good for us. Well, that was really fun. This is so. like driving in the car with us. Yeah, for a long ass traffic. Yeah. This is great. This is a lot of traffic. All right. Well, thanks for being on my. Thanks good for day having brain. me. 
Do you want to tell people where they can find you and stuff? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Tracy Stump. And it's Tracy with an I and then Stump with an F. With an F. Yeah, Do you just is, is the F just silent? You know what? That's a really good question. I don't know. Some of my aunts on my dad's side say Stump with the F. That's how then, I always say it. Yeah, and then my dad says Stump and I just kind of go back and forth. That's so funny. Yeah. You know what? I told that. You know Miles Teller is? No, it sounds. Oh wait, is he the actor? Yeah. Did he? Did he? Was he in Whiplash? He was, and also Footloose. Yeah. And also, um, he's a good actor. Oh, he's so so good. good. Kind of an asshole. Such an asshole. Yeah. And I interviewed him once, and he was like, "Wait, how do you say your last name?" And I was like, "I don't really know." And he's like, "Well, my hope is that you figure it out someday." And I was like. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> oh. I was like, can you hope bigger hey, things for me, Miles? We get it, fucking handsome, cool guy, successful actor. I know, it was so disheartening. We get it, shitting on people turns them on sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now we're dating. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm cheating on him. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. That was awesome. Okay. All right, bye. Love you, babe. Bye. Babe. Love you, babe. Bye. Thanks, y'all. That's uh, that's the end of this podcast. Check out patreon.com slash mygoodbadbrain. Leave us reviews if you like this. The uh, reviews really help, and the Patreon really, really helps. Um, and that's it. We'll see you guys next week. Hydrate. Self-care. Be well. <laughs> <laughs>